take two. Okay, we're live. I uh, I failed to hit the big red button. It's quite small, actually, now, isn't it? It's, it's shrunk it has, on the road, it? the Queefmaster Pro 2. It has, yeah. Anyway, welcome to another Barn Raising episode, episode 290. 290. Yes, I'm Phil. Matt's here with me. Oh, right, yeah, Matt's here. And uh, you're drinking my beer? You picked my beer up. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to get AIDS off you now. Mm. Super AIDS. Anyway, yeah, Ben's not here tonight. Where is he? Where in the world is Carbon San Diego? Carbon San Diego? Carbon <laughs> San Diego, but it does sound like Carbon. I don't know. He's gone. Oh, he some, he's probably somewhere in the UK. I imagine he went somewhere in his caravan, didn't he? Yeah, he's one of those people. He's a caravaner, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He takes his own rather than going to a static one. <coughs> Gosh, it seems like a lot of hassle. Hauling your own uh, house behind you. Yeah. Yeah, and parking it and finding the plot. And... Can you imagine him just stood there with it resting on his belly going... <sighs> Caravan? <sighs> As he does his... Uh... No, yeah, sorry, I missed out the middle bit there. He has a remote control. His caravan has a remote control. It has control. an electric motor, so you kind of get it yeah, sort close. of in the right place, and then you rest the remote control on your belly and... Breathe through your mouth, going, and park it. Yeah, it's very heavy breathing on the mic, isn't he? On games night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this caravan has a shriek. What's a shriek? Self-writing mechanism. Gosh, did you never watch Robot Wars with Craig Charles on BBC Two? Well, if he's trying to park it, then I hope it does. It has a shriek. Yeah. Sometimes the shriek. Failed, didn't it? And it wouldn't flip back over. So there's a program called Robot Wars, and members of the public, these mega geeks, these yeah. like uber geeky middle aged guys, generally, often with a, a, a son who was roped in to being a part of the the team, like a team of three people, wouldn't it? And you'd design and build your own robot that would go into like a gladiatorial arena. Yeah, there was an American version of it, though, as well. Yeah, I'm, say, I'm saying for the millennials. Oh, right. <laughs> <'Cause> always... <laughs> do you remember one... Oh, do you remember Sergeant Slaughter? That was one of the... That's WWF, mate. No, there was something called Slaughter. No, your first part was right. Sergeant Bash. Sergeant Bash. Oh, yeah, that was more BBC Two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Rather <laughs> than Sergeant Slaughter. So generally, these two robots would battle each other, and like maybe in each corner... Yeah. There was like the house robots that were called. Oh, that came they? in as well, did it or something? I can't remember. Well, what if you that got close, there was different sort of themed rounds, wasn't there? Right, uh, right. So sometimes if you got you, your tactic would be to shunt your opponent's robot into a corner where Matilda, <laughs> the one that looked like a rat with a, an axe that came down above over its head, right. would crush, <laughs> crush your, crush your enemies, <laughs> throw them to Matilda. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember now. I can remember. Watch it. I can remember. I did watch it. Yeah, I used to watch it quite a lot. But I can't. I can kind of remember one that had a flamethrower. I can remember one that was like a wedge. Oh, this is a contestant. I spot. think so. And that was like a champion of champions. Well, the thing is, right? I watched it from the beginning, from the first season, right? And all these these DIY enthusiasts build their own robot. They put the heart, they went in the sheds <laughs> all their life building the robots. And I remember watching the first season, and it became clear that most of these robots, if they just fell on their side, they were mm. done because of the drive mechanism. They would be on wheels and stuff. Yeah. And um, there was one robot, which was brilliant. It had no 
um, chainsaws on it, no spiky devices, because some of these guys came up with really elaborate Weapon. weaponry, didn't they? Yeah. And some guy just made a fucking wedge, a piece of cheese, with, like, very low ground clearance. Yeah. And it would just tip all the other robots off. Yeah, it would just and, uh, flip you over, wouldn't it? Yeah, so the design evolved over the seasons. All of a sudden, you started seeing, well, more wedges, robots with very low ground clearance, mm. so you can't get the wedge... The wedge has to be very sharp can't get to get on to flip the other robot. Yeah. And the other uh, innovation was the Shremek, the self-writing mechanism. So if you if you got flipped, your robot got flipped, you would have something <laughs> so built, built into the top at the side of the robot. It'd be a little lever, little no, lever that so came the, out to flip. You no, know what you. was the worst bit was when the Shremek failed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just going. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Well, what we've done is we've come. We've we've, dis- we've designed this sort of piston piston system, and if and if our robot, so, so Gladiot, if he gets uh, flipped on his side, <laughs> I press this red button, and the piston will release, and um, and so so robot lot will be up again and, and ready for the fight. Yeah, but yeah, occasionally, um, the best sort of Shremex were just like an arm yeah. that came out like a flip. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was a dual purpose. Some of them had an axe. Yes. That came from the back of the robot into yeah. to maybe a foot or two in front mm-hmm. and dropped this axe. Mm-hmm. And then someone figured out, well, if we can make the axe work the opposite way around, mm-hmm. then it acts as a, a Shremek self-writing mechanism. Shremek. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days, weren't they? There was uh, another great reason to watch Robot Wars in the uh, early 90s as well. No, Nearly nineties. Sorry, mid nineties. Mid nineties. What do y'all think? No, I think that was early two thousands. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Answers on a postcard, folks. We're not googling things or looking at the computer. No. Um, no. The other reason uh, that I used to like Robert was was <laughs> Robert was was uh, Philippa Forrester. Yeah, she was decent, wasn't she, back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. She did. Um, did she do Tomorrow's World? She did Tomorrow's World for a long time. Yeah, I think so. And uh, didn't she do kids shows? Did she not do like? Was there not someone from Blue Peter on it who was fit? On Robot Wars. Yeah, I'm making that up. I think you're making that up. I think you're mixing up your Katie Hills and your Philippa Forrest. I think they might be. Yeah, I think they might be. Mm. Yeah. No. You know, fancy building your own robot. Well, um, I had a, I had a, I had a go at making a banana cleaner. All right, um, but it, it it failed unfortunately. In in what way? Too too small, <laughs> too small to fit round a banana. <laughs> too big. It was more of a spaghetti cleaner. <laughs> I'll just keep it for my own personal use. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not fit for mass production. <laughs> Someone Google the average girth of a male member. Excuse me. <laughs> what are you talking about? So how, what, what was your uh, process for designing the banana cleaner? Well, uh, yeah, I just uh, looked at the average girth of a human member. Yes. <laughs> and then you match that to a banana, essentially. That's, that's, that was it. How did you make your banana cleaner? I said. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So that a gauge. Well, what did you make? I'm, I'm in like design plans. Did you rough something up on card? <laughs> no, it was just basically some raw liver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dirty bastard. Some raw liver. But yeah, it's afterwards. Well. And a, and, a, and a used toilet roll holder. This smart. This liver's a bit salty tonight. <laughs> Because I jizzed all over it. <laughs> mm. <coughs> right, so banana cleaner. I wonder. Uh, no, there was no banana cleaners on Robot Wars. I can remember. No, don't think so. I've seen uh, there was also. I'm sure there's been all sorts of videos about um, people making like self-made, like master masturbatory ads. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that the whole Hoover thing? Isn't that why you <laughs> Hoover the Hoover thing where guys get this? You hear about um, ER emergency unit doctors talking about uh, blokes coming in with Hoovers on the dicks. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole point, isn't it? They're trying to make their own banana cleaner. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's one. There's a famous video that my wife was showing me the other day of. Someone with a toilet brush stuck up their bum. <laughs> and him explaining how he slipped off the toilet and fell on it. Oh, give over. And now, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. Um, my toilet cleaner is in a holder. Yeah. So the handle is facing north constantly. I think it was brush end. Oh, <laughs> well, then you're full of shit, aren't you? <laughs> Ugh, exactly. <laughs> I've never known a toilet brush holder hold toilet brushes up, brush end up. You even speak. <laughs> not really. Not. You know, uh, like uh, every toilet hole, every toilet brush holder I've ever seen, the brush is always facing down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so I'm not buying his story. If no. it's gone in brush end first, I don't think you can fall on it. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I was mis mishearing what you were saying. But um, I have heard a story about a doctor who was trying to remove uh, an orange from someone's bum. An orange. You know, they got an orange stuck up there and they were getting God. aroused. So Sorry, they did it the first time and they got aroused and they took it out and then he turned up again two weeks later. Give with an orange stuck up his arse again. Yeah. It seems an odd <coughs> choice, isn't it? An orange. Well, I, I would think that the ori- orange would, you know, be misshapen by your colon and your, and your guts. I, know. I didn't think it would come out whole. I, I always thought, you know, my sphincter is stronger than an orange. <laughs> Have you not heard about alcoholics? Looking. Uh, what about alcoholics? Um, He's looking at his watch already. We've only been going 10 minutes. No, it's just a message. Sorry. From my wife, so she has priority. No, when alcoholics, when they get, like, throat cancer and they, they can't give up the booze, right. they put it up the bum. The alcohol of the bus. That's what I was going to say. So, and you, you have no. You, you, it's, there's something different, isn't the way it's absorbed in your colon versus your gut. If it goes down through your mouth, it's being absorbed in the same place, I suppose. But anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of regulating thing. But I'm just wondering if you shoved an orange up your bum and it split, and then you absorbed that pure orange. Would you like get high? (laughs) A mega vitamin C dose. Get high off vitamin C. Do you think something crazy would happen? No. Right, okay. I don't think so. There was a craze, wasn't there, a few years ago, I remember, of of students and youngsters 
um, pouring alcohol straight in the, the rectum. Because it gets you smashed. Yeah. Because there's something to do. Well, if it goes in in your mouth like it's supposed to, it goes mm. through into your stomach, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas from what I remember, yeah, if it goes up your bum, there's sort of no filter through the alcohol to get straight into your bloodstream. Mm. Maybe it's something to do with the other organs that process it. Maybe. One way, but they can't process it the other way. You're bypassing it. Yeah, you're bypassing it. Oh, you're jacksy. Yeah, but I heard it's really dangerous because you can yeah, get alcohol yeah, lots poisoning. Yeah, people, lots of people die doing it, basically. Oh, gosh, it's yeah. terrible, isn't it? It kills all your organs or something. I don't know. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> anyway, I've been labouring as well yeah. since you've been away. What have I missed? I've been uh, having a... I say, well, yeah, we're having a loft conversion. Right. So he's had to... So basically the, the builder turned then up... Change it... Convert it into an attic. Into a, yes. <laughs> into a, a masturbatory, <laughs> like you've done it with this. Um, <laughs> the homemade spaghetti cleaner. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so you turned up with two labourers. Flipper Forrester on Robot Wars, sorry. They quit after um, to a week. So no, we're not working for you anymore. Right. And he got another, and then his son-in-law, kind of. What did he say to him? Who? Me? The guys who quit. I don't know. That made them quit. So they're not working for you anymore. One of them said he had family problems. He's kind. He's <laughs> he's married to his sister, I think. And then the other one got another job. I don't he's know. Married to his sister. The labourer was, yeah. I think <laughs> he's married to his own sister. <laughs> no, he's married to the builder's sister. All oh, right. It sounded like you said he was married to his own sister. No, he could be, but I don't think so. Um, And then he's had someone else. (coughs) Then he was only helping him for a week. And then he's got um, somebody else. And then he had him for two weeks. And he he turned up for like maybe half time, five days. And then like some of those days, he turned up at like 10, 11, 12. And then he, so he's been giving the boot. So So I guess he's been helping him lift big steels into place uh your wife well no she would have done but she wasn't off so i've had to do it and it was absolutely terrifying so at the top of the house so basically what he's had to do which i didn't realize he's had to put like and like a a a steel frame in the floor what what is going to be the floor and then a ridge beam that goes and sits on a post on the outer wall to put a new roof on so this ridge beam it's the first thing I helped to lift it, lift up. With the labourer was there, thank God. That's that was six meters long, and and I don't know how sort of big, but it was fucking heavy. And uh, so, yeah, no crane, no winch, just slid it up the scaffold. Just put it on here, put it on here, uh, and let the scaffold take the weight. It's fucking heavy, sliding it up. So I've just got basically I'm just pushing up this steel beam. Mm. And I'm just thinking, all that's stopping it is the builder holding the other end, and it's like the end, the eye is just in front of my face, basically. Right. So if he slips or anything, like he goes, he goes, poof, takes my head off. Yeah. And they've got the labourer next to me going, fucking hell, I didn't fucking think I'd be fucking doing this today. And like, shifting. <laughs> anyway, so he got it up, and then it, it, it stayed on the scaffold, just like pointing up for like a day. And then right. them two somehow... 
got it into the roof space and then almost into place. And it was like hanging out of the roof for a week or two. I can't remember. A couple of weeks, maybe. And then he said, right, we could do to get this ridge beam in. So I happened to be off on the Monday. And it was basically, when I went up, he had had like a little scaffold inside, you know, that was like about, I don't know, three or four foot off the ground. And it was kind of resting on that on some wooden blocks on one end. It was angled down, pointing at my neighbor's house, this uh, beam, uh, resting on the old hip joists of the roof. He said, don't worry, it won't go anywhere whilst it's on the wood. Um, okay. <laughs> We're there for two weeks, so it didn't go anywhere no. right. And then, uh, so what we had to do, what we had to do I said, how, how, are you, how are we going to lift this into place? I am weak. I'm a weak man. And he said, uh, don't worry, we've got an acro prop. Really? <laughs> yeah. Right. So what we did, I... Ha- <laughs> so first of all, what did I... What did we, He said, I could do to get this end into where it's going. On, so he like, made a concrete block for it to rest on in the chimney breast. Yes, like a pad stone. <clears throat> yeah, so he, with his fucking... Silverback gorilla strength. Yeah. Fucking dragged it. And, but I had to, in the middle where it's on the wood. Just give, just give encouragement. <laughs> from the side. I, had a, I had to a gay pride flag. <laughs> Come on, you can do it, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe in you. Exactly, that's what I said. No, I had a, I had a crowbar. <laughs> a crowbar. So wow. the crowbar was... What I was supposed to be doing is like levering up the um, the the beam so it would come off the wood so he could pull it. Yes, right to remove some some friction. Traction. Friction, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what he was telling me to do and where to put it. Oh, he kept oh he kept saying parallel with the beam, parallel with the beam, Matthew. Right. Um. So I was going like parallel to me is like that, isn't it? Two lines that are uh, equal equidistance and never meet. Exactly, yeah. That's what parallel is. That's perpendicular, isn't it? Isn't purple, it? purple what? Purple dickleness. <laughs> when it's like a T. Is that is that a T shape? You want to go to doctor? I think. That's yeah, fair. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know what parallel means. So what he should have been saying is, put it perpendicular, man. <laughs> oh, fuck. Right. But he may have been talking about the hip roof beam, and I thought he was talking about the fucking <laughs> steel beam. Anyway, so it's like that. Here, here, here. No, no. And he's like, oh, this- Excuse me, do you mean perpendicular? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think when you say parallel, do you not mean perpendicular, Andy? <clears throat> he could have meant perpendicular. Per- per- Parallel, <laughs> it might have meant parallel with the hip roof joist, hip roof beam. That went the other way because that was what it was leaning, leaning on. You see, so, the hip roof joist so beam. So he had to fucking. So he's like hanging on to that for oh. dear life, the other end, so it doesn't fucking fly into Khalid's house and and just come through like a ton of bricks. Yeah. So it was also so on, on Khalid's house, my next door neighbour. There is a semicircle. <laughs> Um, landing window and it was pointing at that. You should just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for King Richard. <laughs> and this one, and but there was just basically he's having loads of work done to his house, so just silhouettes going past the window all the oh, time. Gosh, you could, yeah, so it was like it. it would have been, yeah, it would have took. Like yeah. I said, it would have like just uh, completely eviscerated someone. 
Yes. Um, but anyway, so eventually I get it in the right place and I just got apply the right amount of pressure and Big Strong Andy just yanks this fucking thing. <laughs> the, the, the correct term. <laughs> the correct term is yeet. 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 Yeeted that thing. He yeeted it into place. <laughs> Um, and it was just resting then on the thing. I said, right, okay. So he's had it. No. So we had, so the, basically now what we've got is this six meter long uh, steel beam, kind of resting on that on that wooden joist thing, but even more at an angle, pointing down. He said, don't worry, it's on the wood. It won't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, Friction. So, that's what the crowbar is for. What we could do to do though now, Matt, is just kind of shift it, shift it over on the beam. <laughs> So it's in the middle. Right. So it's aiming at the post in the middle of, like, you know, so it fits, right. fits on the post. So we had to shift it. Yes. Um, so I was hanging on at the other end, and he shifted it across, right. just shimmied it. And then what we did, I say we... What were you, what were you hanging on for? Other than dear life. Well, dear life, I was... Account, basically, what my job was a counterbalance on the, on the end towards the chimney. Right. And I just hung on there, so it... Didn't slide off into Khalid's house. I was going to say because if you were expected to hold it, no, if it went, uh, <laughs> you'd be in, you'd be in deep trouble. Oh no! What we did, there, there was he did he did um and ah about it for about a good twenty minutes. So eventually, what we to do a risk assessment. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, what he did is he got this fucking rope that he must have had for twenty years, which yeah. was about <laughs> centimeter thick. You know that Shoelace. plastic shoelaces. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he wrapped it through some, two of the holes in the beam, right. and and then um, wrapped it round two rafters either side, and then he fit it, he screwed some pieces of wood onto a rafter, and then another piece of wood onto that, and that was holding the beam and me at the other end. Right. So those two pieces of rope slash string. And yeah. um, we're going to just hold it in place. So then what happened is he got his acro prop. Yes. Now this is a, it's like a pole shaped device. It is. And you ratchet it up. And yeah, yeah when you twist, you spin it round and then it, and it goes higher and higher and higher. I think it doubles its size, doesn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. So we put that underneath it. And I didn't do that in the right place. I was. I think I might have been in charge of that originally as well. But oh I got, got demoted to holding. Oh, Matthew, not down. <laughs> yeah. I've got, you just hold it, Matt. So that's fine. And then, uh, yeah, so we slowly started lifting this fucking beam up off the thing that was holding in place, this, like, you know, wooden beam. And uh, what he did is he stacked ever more increasingly small pieces of wood underneath it. Chocking it up. Yeah, and it, and eventually we, we got it in place and nobody died. But I was, at some points, genuinely shitting myself yeah. doing that. Yeah, it's uh, when you work on building sites all the time, you, you forget how close to death you actually are on building sites. I've uh, I've not had any really bad accidents. No, I had one. I was when I was uh, s- subcontracting, where um, I arrived. I used to um, start early and finish early, so I remember going on this site at seven a.m. and uh, some labourer. Um, threw a, a pallet down from like the third story and it hit me. <laughs> it just sort of grazed past my leg. Fucking hell. Yeah, nearly. I don't know if it had killed me. It had just probably put me in hospital for a few days. 
that you just get, you know, get, mind you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a hat on. So yeah, it probably would have been bad news if it had hit me on the head. Mm. And uh, so I had a bit of a go at him. But he, he no speak no English much well, so fucking look while you're throwing shit off the roof, you knob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, I, I bet it's a lot safer now on building sites than it was back then. That would have been 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially on big jobs. I remember when I f- finished subcontracting, I was working on a new oncology unit at St. James's Hospital in Leeds. And they had this whole elaborate um, site induction because it's a massive job and it's mm-hmm. it's NHS. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's fucking... They used to have a sign saying how many days free they'd had an accident, that sort of thing. Um, or, you know, some, you know, four accidents in the last 300 days, something like mm-hmm. that. Took everything very safe, uh, very seriously. And on that job, there was no steps on that job. No step ladders. We're not allowed then. No step ladders allowed. No. Everyone had a, it was called a podium. Yeah. Not a stripper podium. But it was like a scaffold. Yeah. With like a fence around it. Yeah. But a square. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than a scaffold. A scaffold's normally oblong, isn't it? Mm-hmm. With a, uh, the floor and thing. Whereas these podiums were like a square scaffold, essentially, that mm-hmm. went up, you know, four feet or something. And four wheels with uh, locks on. Mm hmm. And they used to come round, and it was uh, hat, goggles, and glasses mm. at all times. Wow. And uh, they had these guys, these health and safety boards, like, um, what would you say, like working a beat <laughs> around the site, like a bobby on the beat. And if you didn't have your glasses or your gloves or your helmet on, and they would come to your podium, and they would kick your brakes to see if your brakes were on. And if you had one of those things not apparent you would get a yellow card oh and if you got a second yellow card you had to go down and do your redo your induction which was half a day so half a day no pay Mm -hmm. and everyone was self-employed or subcontracting on that job pretty much did you adhere to the health and safety rules no no you just get an apprentice to look out (laughs) it's as if he's coming <laughs> no, we used to, we were, we had these massive, if you go into any sort of commercial building or warehouse, you'll see like big wide steel trays running across the ceiling mm-hmm. where all your wires are. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, be like 600 mil wide, some of them, the big ones, probably even, an even wider. And so we used to, they would be mounted, we'd be running our cables on them and we would pull ourselves along on the mobile scaffold <laughs> by the tray because it's quick and you're on, you're on a price, whatever. Mm-hmm. And all this like, Get down, take your four brakes off, move it two meters, put your brakes back on up. Now, get done, fuck off, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't think I had to get a do an indu- reinduction on that one. I bet it was like for six, no, not six months, four months, more like that. Right. Yeah. Very a huge job. They would have these massive sight boxes. They're called. They're like a steel container tool safe, mm. basically. And they would have them on each floor, every and each company would be allotted them, mm. because like from your car, you've got like a five minute walk to get to whatever floor you're on. There's no mm. le- ele- elevators aren't working. I think they had a service elevator, but so yeah, everyone would lock their tools up at night on the site. 
mm. on these big boxes. Very swanky. But it's all changed now, but it's even more health and safety conscious. Maybe. So did you get this beam in? You got it in the end, chocking it up gradually. Yeah. Um, and then all I've had to do now... What was the scariest bit? When did you think you were going to die? Uh, well, I think the, the the scariest bit was actually the when I was at, helping to get it up onto the roof, when yeah. I was just staring at it yes. in my face. You had a moment of realising your own mortality. If he lets go, if Big Strong Andy lets go of this huge steel beam, this yeah. will clean take my head off, <laughs> basically. I would, it would just kill me. Yeah. I suppose that's quite a rare... Considering how common it would have been maybe only a few hundred <coughs> years ago. Yeah. You know, real sort of predation and and, and such. I was yeah. sweating, I'll tell you that. All I've mm-hmm. done all I've been doing now is lifting wood and that's been hard. Joists. Helping him get joists. Wooden joists, they're heavy enough. Yeah, they're big long he but he just like throws them up, doesn't he? Because he's like a bloody monster. It's builders, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, old builders I know. Well, apart from one, but he's old, like really old. Yeah. Uh, they're all gorillas. You have to be, otherwise you won't be able to do the job. No, I know. Yeah, he's he, yeah, he's just yeah, just solid muscle. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that. But he's basically he's just been doing it himself now. He can't be asked. Be like with you, having to egg, boss you about. Well, I think he's quite happy to just have me on odd days and help him get bits and pieces up, and he's just going to do it. So he's just been, he's done one side of the roof now. Uh, but it's not, sorry, he's just put the, the new rafters in on one side and then he's got to do the back and then build up the wall and then it'll and then put a roof on it and the windows and then it'll be watertight again. It's going to go on then, isn't it? If it's on his own. Yeah. I'll, I mean, have your dad asked him when it'll be done? No. no. So he's, uh, he's got, uh, I think it took him to do, he did his own. So we're basically just having the same as what he did to his own house, but a mirror image. It's a little bit different, I suppose, with the stairs. But um, I think it took him about four months to do his. Right. That uh, sounds fair. Yeah, so we'll see. Might be a bit longer. Considering jobs I've been on, fucking hell, some of them really drag on. To do it. Well, when you can't, the thing is, it's multi trade. Yeah. He's just leaving you with a shell, I think, in here. Well, it'll be plastered and wired, yeah. Right. And um, kind of plumbed. Plumbed. But yeah, it's, uh, it's hard when everyone's self-employed, getting people's di- diaries to tally up Sink. is uh, difficult. Well, yeah. it's impossible. Um, yeah, so it's, it'll be good. It'll be good. Done. When it's done. Did, yes. mm-hmm. I was going to say, did you get round to watching Helen's in, Helen of Berkshire's recommendation about the homos? Uh, no, but I saw the... Because uh, I think I only saw it... Yesterday, maybe. Mm. But, uh, there's a, a documentary on Netflix about prehistoric manager and and was it you who recommended it? And Helen said she'd seen it or something. No, Helen just put it in. I said I'd said I'd said I'd seen it. Right. Was it any good? It's interesting. But if it's like, it's a bit. Um, if it's not fake and gay. If it's not fake and gay, yeah. And if it's true, do you want me to spoil it for you or not? Yeah, you can, yeah. So basically, I can't remember what it's called, this cave, but they found this, these prehistoric, what they think is burials. Well, originally they thought they were just um, bones. And, it's a, and it was a new genus, if that's the term, Homo naledi. 
homo milady. <laughs> and uh, they have a weird, kind of, a, not weird, but they have a different kind of body type. So they have really long limbs. Well, their arms are really long, right. really long fingers, and they've got tiny heads. Really? Small brain uh, cavities. So they've right. got a smaller brain than those. I think, it, I can't remember if it's like a third of the size or something. Right. But, so they thought it was just like they found some random bones. So they basically they go into this cave and it's, um, the original entrance I think has collapsed from memory and they go in for a different way now. But you basically went into one opening and then um, when you, so you go into it and then you go up a hill inside and then you can go down and it's got like an almost vertical drop into another cave. So what they think is, is they, they, were, they were going in there and um, what they turned out was like people, they, they found them buried in the fetal position and they thought it, sorry, it was a deliberate burial, deliberate burial rather than, it, you know, just being a pile of bones. They'd gone in there and died or, you know, whatever. Right. <clears throat> and also they they found evidence for fires, so they'd be making fire in there, and also that they'd, on the entrance to the secondary cave, I think, where they're buried, they were, they'd made uh, mark pictographs. Wow. Um, and they were similar to what they'd seen in a cave in Spain that had been attributed to Neanderthals. The cave in Spain? The cave in, a, a cave in Spain. The cave. Brains mainly on the plane. Yeah. Right. But what's really interesting is the brain size. And because um, it, it, it's where it comes in in the genus, mm. um, it, they've got a tiny brain. And we thought that our brains continually got bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is evidence, perhaps, that even with a tiny brain, they, had, they were using fire, burying people, and pictographs. Yeah. So it leads to the conclusion maybe we're underestimating uh, other genus of the homos. Of the homos, yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely contend with that. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. You know, uh, when you were talking about brain size being a third, I was thinking, well, I don't think that's a big deal, you know. Have you seen, like, some of these crows and shit, these Mm -hmm. birds who use tools to open things, to figure things out? How how big's their brain? Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's a certain part of your brain, isn't it? I think that's... I, what... don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think there's that big a difference. Like, don't dolphins have bigger brains than humans? I don't know. Apparently, there's some... There's a, well, this is this all throws the spanner in the works, doesn't it? It's not something to do with the ratio. We've got a, We've got a big brain as compared to the size of our body. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think maybe there's... That, yeah, I tend to agree with them that brain size isn't everything <laughs> you would do wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that palette hit you didn't it mm. <laughs> half of it's gone yeah so right so what's what so did they sort of go into what the meaning of burials represents well because <clears throat> like i would say maybe a primitive form a reason for burial would be to stop um, predators, scavengers coming <clears throat> well, what over it, a carcass. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? So perhaps what it suggests is that <coughs> people were upset enough or there was meaning behind did someone's they, death. Did they say there was some sort of evidence of it was it ceremonial burial? 
Well, this is but this is well, this is where you got to take a leap, aren't you? But they, mm. they what they were one of them was saying, and you could see it, it was like it was, it's like this. So they would have had to go in as a group because there's no way you could have dragged a body up the thing, up this <laughs> steep thing and down, and then put it in the fetal position and then bury it yourself. Right. So it would have to be a group or two or whatever at least. Um, but um, it, it looks like it looks like the ascent and descent into you know the next life or whatever because it would have been pitch black. Mm. It would have had fire, um, maybe. And they had found some kind of... Like, I think they found charcoal and stuff. I don't know if they carbon dated it or anything. I mean, if they were all sort of buried north to south or east to west, that would indicate ceremonial use of burial. Yeah. There's no practical reason for them to align bodies to a cardinal point. No. So, therefore, it is a mystical reason. Well, the thing is, is they're in, they're in a fetal position as well. That's not an... Well, suppose, unless they kind of curled up and died, but I don't... From free, freezing? Yeah, but that's not... Ne- but they said, like, because you could see a ring, like it was a deliberate burial because it was a, there was a difference between the, the soil yeah. around them. The, deliberate is the wrong word, I would say. I'd say all burials are deliberate. It's why, isn't it? Why? That's the question. Is it because, like you said, there is some sort of reverence or early Does, theology? That's what I'm getting. Well, exactly. That's the beginning of religion. Could be, it could be. But these, be. could they, um, could it, do, do any other animals bury their mm. dead? I don't think they do, do they? It's only us. I don't know. I don't know. I bet there is animals that bury their dead, but it'll be for some practical reason that they've adapted. For shagging. That they've adapted, you know. Mm. But, yeah, I would have thought, Humans are the only... I wonder, what about the great apes? I'm guessing they don't. Do no, they? they just tear them apart Yeah, when they get weak. Something that's unique about us, I guess, isn't it? Mm. Burial. Mm-hmm. So that's worth a watch. All right, I might... I looked and it was 90 minutes. That a long so time. Like, 90 minutes? Wow. Oh, I'll watch it over a week. <laughs> See if you can watch it with your wife. She wouldn't want to watch it. She doesn't like uh, learning. Doesn't like learning or uh, real life. It's not programs. real life because it's got like weird. That's the other. I thing. mean, it's a documentary though, isn't it? I made my wife watch it, right. and uh, it made her have nightmares about these weird long-limbed creatures. Nightmares. Yeah, because there's some cartoons about you know about what they might have looked like essentially. Yeah, <clears throat> and they got tiny heads with long limbs. Weird. Yeah, <coughs> it makes you think. What was how many other things versions of the homos were around, and we've been wiped out? Yeah, seems like a lot, doesn't it? It's like um, Dennis Ovens, loads of seem them. to be uh, with the tiny ones. No, I don't, I don't know. I thought they were tall. Were they? I thought were they were they tiny. To Dennis Ovens, these ones are tall. I think. Uh, no, no, they're not. I think they're small. Don't don't most all of us or some of us have some Denisovan DNA like a signature? Don't know. I've heard about Neanderthal. Yeah, Neanderthal people. we do, uh, but that certain certain sections have Neanderthal DNA. Apparently, mm. if you believe these twenty three and Me these. outfits, right? Okay. Yeah, apparently they can isolate that thing. You know, if you just spit in a swab and send it off, and they'll tell you what part of Europe you came from or America or wherever, mm. and they'll split it up. Say you're. Uh, 30% Irish, 60% 
Dwarf. Belgian. <laughs> yeah, dwarf, yeah. Uh, I don't know. They say my wife had hers done. No. Um, she got some weird stuff in hers. Weird stuff on Dennis Hogan. Some unexpected <laughs> uh, areas for her DNA. So she, she, my wife, my wife, she's mixed race. So she, she her mum was from Montserrat, which is like a Caribbean island, but it was um, <clears throat> like a an Irish, I think, I think it was Irish slave holders there, maybe. Um, I think. And then her dad is from uh, Preston. So, um, and was he English? He's pure. Like, pure blood. <coughs> he's pure blood. So all of his DNA is, I think, Ireland and the Midlands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he's got Ireland. I think it's Liverpool <laughs> in the Midlands or something. Right. <coughs> and that's it. Yeah. And then, but on her mum's side, which obviously makes up half of my lovely wife, there's obviously, um, oh, there was loads, there was a few African countries, like, I can't remember if like, it was Ivory Coast and somewhere else. So, um, West African countries. Yeah, West African. Which immediately makes you think of slave trade, doesn't well, it? Well, yeah. You would Ivory Coast, so. Nigeria, Cameroon, that sort of area. Um, but that was, so that was like a big chunk, uh, probably the biggest, I think. But then like something like 20% was Swedish. Wow, that's odd. In uh, but on her mum's side, yeah, um, which was a bit weird. And then there's some, and then there was one percent Maltese, which was a bit of a a weird one as well. Wow. See, you don't know how distant these relatives, uh, wherever that bit of DNA came from. Mm. I don't know whether it's, you know, they don't tell you whether it was. You know, three generations ago or 300 generations ago, do they? No, but it's just, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because that, that's the weird, well, not weird, but when you look at a family tree and how it just kind of spiders out and spiders out, because she's related to a king, like from the 11, 1100s. Aren't that, we all? Well, this this is, apparently is related to something like a third of the population or something. Right. So it's a bit like Genghis Khan. It's yeah. a famous example. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, but it kind of, yeah. But that's how it kind of works, isn't it? The the bigger, obviously, it doubles every time it? you go up. And then you've got all those. If you had, like, 100 years ago when they were having 10 kids and maybe six survived, and they have, like, 10 kids and six survived, it gets massive really quickly, doesn't it, basically? When you think about it like that. Yeah. But she gave up doing mine. Your family tree? Yeah. How far did she get back? I don't know, like, eight... Eight, when, when, when was when was the mud flood? The mud flood, Tartaria, probably 18th century. Yeah, so about there, I think. Well, there you are. Show me the bodies. <laughs> Where are the bodies coming? I'll give you a spade. I'll dig them up with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's none there, is there? There's no. There's none there, and therefore, that's why you can only do your family tree about that she, far. You know, she's actually been watching a guy on TikTok. He does mud flood. Oh, excellent! Videos. And She's look at this. this one of us. Look at this example here. Look at this house. This is a perfect example. Oh, I know who it is. It's, <coughs> it's Paul. It's Paul Cook. It is. And the plumber. I don't know. Is a plumber. I've no idea. And yeah. it's like, look at it. It's buried. It's buried there. Yeah. Look, look, like, look where the pavement is. It's like covering the windows. Right. Uh, yeah, there was a big um, <coughs> hoo ha with Paul Cook a couple of months ago. 
Um, I don't really watch his stuff, um, but I've seen bits of it and that. And he, he was on, like, I think he was on about 37,000 subs or something on YouTube. Right. He's moved to Malta now. Oh, no. Nice. With his missus. But there was some sort of controversy months ago. He got in a beef, an online beef with some other Tartaria guy. Oh, no. And uh, then did he launch his OnlyFans with his wife? No, he didn't. I think he did. And then he was started promoting it in his YouTube videos. That's Is a bit of a weird crossover. Weird flex. <laughs> okay, do some <laughs> some fucking mad flood. It's not much fucking plumbing work in Malta, mate. <laughs> what you got to do? I don't know. I don't know all the details or anything, and I'm not really an observer of that area of YouTube. But I remember something going on a few months ago that was quite strange. Malta yeah. was a nice. I, it, they drive on the left-hand side, you see, as well. So that's always handy, isn't it? Did they patch past the Dutch on the left-hand side yeah. as well? Yeah. I would recommend going to Malta. Yeah. Fancy going to a tiny island in the middle of... Uh, I was going to say the Pacific then, <laughs> the Mediterranean. Megalith Hunter's there. Mm. Laura, a previous guest. Mm. She's uh, There's lots of megalithic shit happening in Malta. And cart ruts. The cart ruts is the big thing, isn't it? Is it the big thing? That's the big thing for Malta, yeah. You sack Gozo off, and uh, what the uh, the weird, not the weird, the uh, there's like a, a Neolithic cave, isn't there? There, yeah. yeah, and there's an underground. Um, oh, some, it's got a really strange name, not like like a Syrian type name. Begins with it? a G, I think. Yeah, Gigantia. Yeah, something. Oh, Gigantia is there, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? That's the temple, isn't it? Yeah. What's that from? Was that in? Thingy's books. Hancock Hank talks about it. Does he? Yeah. Briefly, in a fingerprint somewhere. Right, okay. Fingered by the gods. Fingered by the gods. Fuck Graham Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not yeah. Graham, it's Santa. It's his wife. fucking wife, man. It's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. She was like, give me eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. Fuck Graham Hancock. That was good, actually. I pitched that right, didn't I? Yeah, you For did. an impression. Sometimes you just, just nail them. Mm. Not very often, though. So did you uh, make it off the, the caravan park then? Or no. You just stayed on it the no. whole time? If we never left. Other to go to Little. <laughs> Fuck, I was oh, drunk loads. I've had a, I got home yesterday. I was on holiday since last Saturday. and yeah. got home yesterday at tea time. We had a Haven, Haven holiday... Caravan holiday in half anymore. <laughs> and uh, in, is it Gwyneth? Gwyneth. Gwyneth? Gwyneth. It's north side of Cardigan Bay mm-hmm. near Pethwelly. 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 And we had a whale of a time. We know, yeah, we never left the site other than the first full day we went to Little. You said you managed to do one shop for the entire week? We uh, didn't cook. We 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 bowled bowled out wow. on the meals. Did you? Yeah. What did what what was the kids uh, eat for a quid? Get out of town in the restaurant in the restaurant all day, <laughs> all day breakfast, dinner, and tea. Kids wow. eat for a quid and get a drink. Wow. So, what was the we, what was the what was the restaurant offering offering there? All the usual is pub grub. How many Michelin stars was it? 
Oh, uh, one, one chocolate star, <laughs> maybe? One chocolate star. One chocolate starfish. It was fine. It was just pub grub. Uh, to be honest, we only ate there. Well, sorry, we had most breakfasts in there. And we had, I got into having cooked breakfast. Every day, oh, meat. Meat. Yes. <laughs> do I want to add another sausage for 99 pence? Yes, I do. And some bacon. Yeah, the breakfast uh, was <clears throat> two sausage, two bacon, beans, tomatoes, mushrooms, fried egg, uh, ash brown, two uh, slices of toast, I think, and a brew. Mm. That was your breakfast. So I think it was ten ninety nine for that. Uh, but they had all sorts of offers on. Like you could get two rolls. Like you could get a, a bacon sausage roll or a bacon egg roll. Two of them, and unlimited coffees for a tenner. Unlimited? Yeah. Never used it. No. They had all sorts of offers on. Mm. But we only ate in the... Other than breakfast, we only ate two nights, I think, in the restaurant. No, only only one night. We had one... Oh, fucking Burger King. They made us go... The kids they made us go to Burger King on, like, the second night. Mm. That's, that's fucking shit. It's not food. Expensive as well, Burger King. It's it is on a haven camp. It was... More expensive than McDonald's anyway in the real yeah. world. The real, the non-confined mm. audience. So we had that, and obviously it was wrong because I've never been to a Burger King and had my order hundred percent right. I don't think there's always something fucked up, isn't there? McDonald's. I'm quite often at McDonald's. They do it wrong as well near yeah. me. Yeah. So we had Burger King one night. We had uh, the chip shop. Oh yeah. <coughs> Cooks fish and chips is on site. Absolute filth. That was that was dear. That was forty five quid. 45 quid. Fucking chips. For a family, <laughs> for a family of four. <coughs> now, to be fair, they gave me seven-year-old and adults nuggets and chips. Oh. When, it should... <laughs> <laughs> when it should have been a kiddie's size. Did he eat it, though? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, about 45 quid for fish and chips. I know, yeah. That's pretty ridiculous. I know. They had a Papa John's. Papa John's. That was good. That was the best one. Of the we fast had, foods. Of the fast foods. It was, I think it was £33, occult fans, and for two large pizzas. It's and not too bad. Else. It's not too bad, Papa John's. No, fuck it's... that. It was 29 quid. 28 99 Right, okay. For two large pizzas, which was enough for us. Mm-hmm. So that was the best value meal we had, mm-hmm. other than the in the restaurant, where it was a quid for a kid. Uh, and then she made, uh, I said made. She, she uh, threw together a spag ball one night. Right, okay. I didn't have to cook, so it was a bit shit. <laughs> bit, bit, bit sort of bland. Did she just no, make... She's just no flair. Did she just... just no flair in the, the cooking chops. Did she just make it with a can of tomatoes? <laughs> and and mince. some mint. And not even salt. Not even salt. <laughs> <coughs> There's a there's a <laughs> there's a thing between you know how white people season things and how Caribbean people season things. Right, it's the stereotype that Caribbean people use a lot more of a everything. A lot more, well, a, a, a wider range of seasoning. So right, white people use salt and black pepper. Yeah, and Caribbean people use um, everything. You know, all of the herbs. So. This is this was unheard to me before I I met my wife. 
because everything in my house, it was lucky if he put salt on it. My dad cooks all the meals, um, so he made a hot pot. <laughs> he make hot pot like every week, um, a Lancashire hot pot, but it wasn't. It was a corned beef hot pot. Oh, yeah, corned beef hash, we used to call it. Yeah, but It you'd... was that, but without the crust. No, yeah, yeah. So, it was just pie filling. Yeah, it was just... Uh, but he didn't even put like uh, seasoning in that. It was just like it was potatoes, onions, carrots, and corned beef with a pastry lid. Don't uh, need seasoning. Grown exactly. these in garden. And then, uh, if we were lucky to season it, we had some pickled beetroot. Oh gosh, to go with it. Yeah. Um, but since she's been on the scene, we have now, I would say, six hundred by six hundred tub full of spices, spices, and yeah, seasonings. Yeah, I was going to say you have a commercial grade spice rack. <laughs> have an entire cupboard dedicated to spices in our yeah. house. It's, it's something I don't fuck with much. I have uh, if I also I did meatballs tonight. Nice. And uh, as far as seasoning in the meatballs, yes. T- does Worcester sauce count? <laughs> Probably does it. <coughs> so Worcester sauce, salt, pepper, sugar doesn't count. It's not sugar. That doesn't count. Seasoning does it? Uh, oregano, mixed herbs, paprika. That's it. Paprika. Yeah, I'd, I'd throw that in for... No red wine? Uh, only if we have some shit in. <laughs> and Nah, I don't usually bother, to be honest. But that's not all, all that goes in it. That's seasoning-wise. Yeah. So I put double cream in it, for example. You filthy animal. Yeah. Gino De Campo says to put cream in your uh, bag bowl. Well, I trust Gino. Gino De Campo. I remember Gino telling me about uh, salted water for your pasta. Salted water. Yeah. Do you do that? Do you put salt in your pasta water? Um, water? No, I sometimes put oil in it. Right. Well, I do oil with gnocchi. Gnocchi. Do olive oil with if I'm doing gnocchi. Right. But no, uh, yeah, Gino, I think he puts a teaspoon, essentially, of salt in the pasta boiling right. pan. What does it do? Um, I think it helps to stop it sticking together. Right. Okay. And it, t- it tastes, you Thank get a, a, a slight taste. Of salt in your in your spaghetti, yeah. Right, okay, very nice. Do you put the sauce onto the pasta before you serve it? If it's meatballs, and yeah. mix it in the pan. I mean, uh, depends what the re- what the if if it's spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti bolognese, then no, I don't mix in the pan. They can do it themselves. Right. Okay. But um, if it's like a chorizo pasta, mm-hmm. or something like that, then I mix it all up, yeah, before I dish it out. Mm. The pasta and the sauce. Right, okay. Very good. I don't think that's controversial, is it? No, I think you're supposed to do that, you see, right. with all pasta dishes, as far as I know. You probably are. Yeah. yeah. That's what Gino says, anyway. Well, it's like when you get the Heinz spaghetti. That's all mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> you fucking... Do you know, I've got something to say about... Uh, Baked beans. Have you? Mm. Is it about the um, the Heinz mini sausages? You're getting sausage and beans. And, well, and We could talk and about that if you like. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, no. What's the... They don't taste right anymore. Heinz beans don't taste right. None of... No beans taste the same. I, <laughs> I think... I know you can buy Heinz beans now that's low sugar. It's right? like a lighter colour that... It's like a lighter blue or something. But I think 
all beans now, they've reduced the amount of salt and sugar in it on the sly and started putting sweetener in. So it's got it's got to me that sweetener aftertaste. Really? Yeah. This won't be sugar tax related, would it? I think it might be, you know. Really? Yeah. You know what you'll have to do? N- next time you know someone who's going abroad, yeah. tell them to get some Heinz beans and do a taste test. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I would have thought um, that should be so easy to find out. Well, Just look at the label and exactly, Google it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have looked and it has a, a spartamine in it. Called. They're putting that shit in it? Fuck me. Aspartame. Aspartame, is that what it is? That's what you're getting, Diet Coke, and yeah. I had to throw some out. Which, is it you're watching, though? Yeah, my uh, my youngest picked up some cheap old lemonade from Aldi, and I got it home, and I looked, and it had aspartame, so well, you're not having that. I chucked it away. Right. Not letting... She, she uh, eats sweetener day and night. Do you mean, like, sweet eggs? No, she well yeah. And bruise. She has this granulated stuff. I don't know what it's I can't remember what it's called. And she eats like so much of it. Not eat you know, in a brew, puts in a brew and like if she has very occasionally she'll have wheat bits in the morning. But she'll sprinkle some of that on it as well. Wow. Um but yeah. It's I think like I think it'd be a lot better with just plain brown sugar. Sugar, yeah. Brown sugar. Yeah. Your egg. Um, yeah, I don't fancy these. Uh, well, there was that hoo-ha, weren't there, a couple of weeks about about the WHO reclassifying aspartame as as possibly causing cancer. I think that was the... Yeah. But it's all right. You only have to take this much before it could give you cancer. It's like, <laughs> there's probably no safe amount. I know people disagree and say, oh, well, you can do you know, a safe amount of mercury you can have in vaccines, apparently, until recently. Yeah, I don't think if if something's toxic, then I don't think there is a safe amount. If you can avoid it, no. I think sugar would probably be better. Maybe and you probably don't need as much. Maybe I don't know. It's, it's the taste addict, isn't it? It's the thing. It's like you get accustomed to the taste, and you want it. Is that the, what's going on in the head? There's a dopamine. Yeah, you get dopamine when you have something sweet, don't you? So it it forms a dopaminergic cycle. And the thing is, we've found. That would have been from sugar from fruit, from eating or, raw fruit. Or honey, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And we've sort of condensed this, we've artificially supercharged the sugar hit that well, you can get. That's the thing, isn't it? So if you think back to, like, how infrequently you would have been able to get fruit, so it would have been, what? So if you could, if you were lucky, you could store, you figure out a way to store an apple maybe in some straw um, for maybe a couple of extra months, so maybe finish in October... You might be lucky to have it till December, and then you'll be picking again in September. Yeah, so that's when you make your soda, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're. <laughs> that's what I did then. <laughs> and then, uh, but that's what I suppose, like you said, it, we, it's just so easy to get it all. And But the evolution's not caught up yet in terms of changing how much we want that stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It seems like an about fast, mm. doesn't it, to change from. Uh, that reward system so that you don't get a dopamine hit when you have sugar. It's like, I don't know, I don't think that thing dials back like that, does it? No, it probably wouldn't work. No. So you've got to hope for it to be relevant again when the nuclear holocaust comes and it becomes something you can rely on. 
I don't think that's happening. No. I'm optimistic when it comes to uh, World War Three. It'll be the the robots. Yeah. The uh, well, T eight hundred. What? <laughs> <laughs> Cybernetic organism. Oh, right. Liquid metal. <laughs> liquid metal. Living tissue of a liquid metal and the skeleton. <laughs> I need to close your boots and your motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, we just got to hope uh, Trump gets in, don't we? And end the war in Ukraine. What the fuck's he going to do? Oh, is it going to end it overnight? That's what he says. It's nice hearing someone talk about ending it. I know, yeah. You know, rather than just the usual rah, 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 throw more money at it. Rah, 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 Rasputin. The uh, the No Agenda guys have been doing some interesting deconstruction on Ukraine and uh, mm-hmm. whether this could be, it's it's the sort of the African axis that, that arms are being funneled through Ukraine to Uganda and uh, other African countries to destabilise it. Oh, right. Destabilise Africa. Because they've because they've been asleep at the wheel, and China have got their the claws in now, and they're mm. raping the continent like everyone seems to fucking do. Yeah, and because the Americans have been asleep at the wheel, it's like we can't. We need to put the Chinese off, mm-hmm. so create chaos, civil wars, stoke whatever you can through political, pro- through propaganda, through messaging, through direct arms. Mm. You know, so they're going to try and upset the continent over this next years just to put the Chinese off with all their, their sort of mineral mineral mm. extraction that's the big thing isn't it's it like these batteries like these car batteries and stuff mm. these precious uh, minerals rare earth minerals like um, coltan and uh, lithium and all these sorts of things it's not cobalt cobalt is another coltan is a, a mobile phone one oh right okay so you Liberia you know um Central African Republic. A lot of these countries are already real in real bad way, <clears throat> and uh, so yeah, I can imagine the the US just sort of sticking the. I mean, let's be fair. It's the CIA, CIA mainly, mm. trying to. They've got a good track record of overthrowing governments and coups and mm. and uh, dictating domestic policy of their near neighbours mm. through uh, various means in, in America, in Central and South America. You know, they, that's what they do. Regime change. Mm. It's just a lot of people, a lot of times you don't find out about it until decades after when things are released. Mm. You know, or, or like John Perkins writes that book, Economic Hitman book, and describes what he was doing, what he was paid to do, and... Mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah, to uh, change regime, get the the leader in who's friendly to the to the Americans. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Weird yeah. how the world works. Anyway, we were talking about caravans holidays, weren't we? You asked me about my holiday. Did you read any books? I'm reading uh, this Wilhelm Reich book, the one that was famously burned in the states. Real page, Tony. The Mass Psychology of Fascism. Where did you find it? Um, I got it off me dad, I think, for my birthday. Was it not an expensive one? Though? It, no, I don't think so. Oh, really? I don't think so. 
There was one book that was really hard to get that was, exp- well, like, I, I would say 30 quid is expensive for a book. Uh, but no, it was second hand, though. Right. So it was an eBay thing. Nice. I'm uh, on page 237 of about 400, I think. Um, it's not a page turner. No. <laughs> it's definitely not a page turner. He was a psychoanalyst of quite good repute. Yeah. Uh, before he got into Wargorns and stuff. Well, this is the other the other issue, is it's been translated as well. Yeah. So that's quite... Because I've read a book by a young book about religion. and Carl Jung. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, not Neil. And... Um, Bilal, right? Now that so the the one about religion was it's basically unreadable, but it's been translated from German, um, and the one that you that I lent you what was that one called Archetypes book that was easier to read, and it was just based on the translator. Yeah, yeah. So it's done a bad job of translating it basically. Yeah, and made it unreadable. Right, right. I think that's maybe the second translation of right. the Wilhelm Wright book. Okay. It's not unreadable in that it's bad English. It's mm-hmm. well translated. It's just that the concepts are difficult right? Okay. and challenging, mm-hmm. really, personally, for me. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty much a communist. Is he? Yeah. And, a Marxist. Uh, and being a psychoanalyst and... He comes across as a bit of a disciple of Freud, but maybe I'm being unfair and I'm only halfway through the book. Um, everything's about sex Ooh. and the psychology. Mm. And he talks a lot about juvenile sex, sexuality. And so I found that... I find that... Um, I don't agree with what he says on those sort of things. Gross. But the other thing you've yeah. got to remember about Freud and and psychology in general is... The theories that come along with it are very much born of the time. So, you know, in the Victorian age, when these two were maybe around, and Freud was definitely around the Victorian age, but everything was quite sexually repressed. It wasn't something you would talk about. It was taboo and all the rest of it. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense then, but, you know, probably wasn't the be-all and end-all. It's also about um, religion... And that's role in suppressing sexuality. Religion's role in suppressing sexuality. He blames it all on the patriarchy. Oh. Uh, he, he, he's, he talks about an earlier matriarchy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that had been debunked more recently. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, early human societies weren't necessarily matriarchal like some people would lead us to believe. Right. Um, it was probably more egalitarian. Mm. Across the board, I would imagine, mm. when survival is that hanging on a thread, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe that's where you need a strong leader, and that's where the alpha comes in when mm. things are that desperate for survival. It's hard to say. But yeah, he talks about the patriarchy a lot. He's talking an awful lot about communism for a book that's about the psychology of fascism. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's all right. I've. I feel like I should get through it and I can read something more enjoyable. Yeah. I don't know what. I haven't decided yet. Mm. I need to brush up on ancient history, I think. Back to ancient history. Yeah, pick something. 
I had this idea once of doing like a like a solid six months just reading about one subject. Mm. So you can pick a topic like ancient Egypt or ancient Rome or Paul Young mm-hmm. or whatever and just spend like the first six months of the year just reading about that thing just as an experiment to see if it sticks. Because mm-hmm. I read a lot of very different mm-hmm. books subject matter-wise. So I could be reading something about King Arthur in one month and then the next month reading like a Malcolm Gladwell book about can't remember of any uh, blink blink was one wasn't it there's more sort of pop psychology books aren't they malcolm gladwell mm-hmm. and then you could go on to something about uh, i don't know i'm just looking on the thing books of enoch you know or you know i don't know a travel book like william dalrymple mm-hmm. so i wonder how much of you, re- you how much of it you retain when you're swapping and changing all the time on what you're consuming mm-hmm. i think it might be beneficial to stick to a subject for six months maybe you've got a better chance of retaining stuff um probably because what you do then is if you stick if you so if you come like what you've said before if you come across a concept or something that you've heard before it causes you to recall it and that's like the key to something sticking in your memory the recall right so the more you recall something the the more it sticks around basically in a given time frame. Well, yeah, because you've got, be, be, you've got to be able, actually be able to remember it. I mean, to right. begin with. So after a while, it just it just sort of disappears. Well, it depends, doesn't it, how much you've recalled it in the intervening time, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that's, what, that's the difference between cramming for six months mm. or reading the same amount of books but over six years. Mm. You know, I'm guessing there must be a benefit to doing that. And probably if you, if you, if you do it... In over, over the same subject, yeah, it's more maybe it's more likely that you would remember some of the things that you've read, and then therefore you recall it again. And if you recall it six times, then there's a better chance that it would stick around. The thing is, it's like my memory has it's definitely limited. I have limited memory, and uh, I forget things. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, you could have asked me things about the Roman Empire. And I would be able to say certain things, remember certain details, give certain years for when things happened. But I've not read a book about Rome for years, and I feel like that that's gone now. Yeah. It's like you've lost sharpness in a subject area. Yeah, that's what happens. So you, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, but you can't use everything all the time. Uh, no, so, no. So you would have to go back, like you said, you'd have to go back and refresh. I guess. What makes it permanent, though? Because, like... If you continually use it. Right, yeah. So knowing you're left from your right, that this is called right, this is got called left, you're yeah. not going to wake up one day and suddenly have forgotten that information, are you? No. But, uh, well, when, you know, when was the sacking of Carthage? What year? But uh, you know? an interesting one, then, is, like, riding a bike, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's... But I suppose that's that's not language recall. It's physical, that, isn't it? Yeah. Physical, so spatial awareness, a, balance. It's a different thing maybe Muscle going on memory. there. Yeah, different mechanism. Rather than, yeah, knowing you're left from your right. What you would, if you, I suppose, what you would have to do, really, is you'd have, and I remember he said he started doing this, is make notes and then go Stop. back to your notes. Yeah, I stopped doing that. I've started, for some of the things, um, 
some of the books I've read, I've made notes about that would be interesting, it's, and it has helped for me to remember them when I've needed them, essentially. I think it's different if it's for work, isn't it? So Maybe. if I was writing a book mm. on a subject, then I would be taking notes, mm. your footnotes and stuff. Uh so yeah, maybe that's where I'm going wrong. You see, I'm yeah, I'm not doing it professionally. There's no like reason. It's for pleasure, I guess, isn't it? Mm. There's no pressure to remember what you've remembered, to remember what you've read. Mm. So taking notes will probably help. And I, and I always thought, well, when am I ever going to go back and look at these notes? Because mm. it wasn't for an exam or mm. you know for a job or whatever. So I thought, yeah. What's, what's the point? I've got that many more books to get through. I've more books in here than I'll probably ever read in my life. Um, so, yeah, I stopped taking notes, but maybe I'm just reading the wrong sorts of things. No, I don't think so. No, don't inspire me to take notes. I think the only way to remember something really is like that is the recall. It's called the forgetting curve. So, like, the more you re- recall it, kind of goes down like a and then so say if he goes like that then you recall it and it goes up again and then each time that you recall it more and more information is stored basically yeah it's just like it's, you know you, you could apply it to like any learning any kind of skill really you wonder like is there going to be any need for like um, a specialization of knowledge well, that's, over the next few years there was an interesting thing about Herodotus and how apparently that the book was written at the end of his life, wasn't he? Right. And he don't think that he would have had notes and he just would have recalled it all and somebody wrote it for him, basically. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so they do a lot think... Of that was, a lot of that's, like, not uncommon in the ancient world. It's like been, yeah, they would have, um, yeah. Plotinus. Mm. If, you, if you read the Aeneid mm. of Plotinus, it's written by Porphyry who was his student, and he recalled it all. Mm -hmm. He recites his entire philosophy over. So that's what I mean. So there's there's an obvious difference there between our reliance on a phone, which essentially is now, in the past, an encyclopedia or whatever, or a book. Um, And I think, yeah, as time goes on, our memory will get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Or what we we'll probably forget what we're able to do with our memory, maybe. Yeah, well, that's what's surprising, isn't it? When you think about the before lack of writing, before writing, how things were memorized. Mm. They had to be memorized. Uh, I think it would have. That isn't that the thing with with like ancient Greece. Did they not sing it? I think all cultures did. Like uh, the bards, the Welsh mm. bards were famous. I'm sure that it's, there was, or it's not quite singing. It's it's almost a like a, a musical thing when they were doing recalling these, you know, doing like the the lectures or whatever, yeah. or doing the plays or. It's the famous. It was sung. Uh, alphabet. It's the famous example, isn't it? A B C. Yeah. You don't teach your kids. Here's the alphabet: A B C D yeah. E F G. You say. A B C D because once you put the word the the yeah. concepts to a melody, it becomes easy to memorize somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, they, yeah, they say that that's like double encoding. Right. So there's more information, so it makes it more, in a weird way, easier to remember. 
I can buy that. I'm sure that's true. Mm. That's why, like again, the Welsh boys they used to sing the stories, mm. and that's how it was how it was transmitted. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and that's going to disappear, I guess, isn't it? It's like um, fucking hell, right? Talk about how uh, melodies and lyrics can be attached attach themselves. We went to when I was on holiday at Haven. We went to the climbing wall, mm-hmm. and uh, it was me and the missus doing it. And really? this guy, you did a climbing wall with your wife. Yeah, the kids. Right, so the guy comes over. Matty, he's called. Right, incredibly outgoing. Yeah. Uh, good laugh. And uh, and this is my two boys. Says right, ready two for the climbing wall. I said uh, no, no, it's us two. Uh, <laughs> They're not, it's, yeah, it's, it's the mums and dads. Great. Oh, whatever. I said, yeah, they're chicken. Chicken livered shits. <laughs> they won't do it. And, uh, and he looks, my eldest left uh, primary school. Had his, in, uh, you know, three weeks ago. And he had his school leavers hoodie on. Mm-hmm. And this uh, climbing instructor saw it and went, Catholic. <laughs> Catholic school, eh? <laughs> What's your favourite hymn? <laughs> And uh, my lad goes, I don't know. know." And he goes, What about this? Sing it in the valleys. (laughs) Shout it from the mountaintops. That's exactly what I did. Jesus came to save us. And the saving never stops. He is King of Kings. And true life he brings. New new life. Singing in In the the valleys. valleys. Shout it from the mountain tops. Whoa. Shout it from the mountain tops. <laughs> yeah. What was the second verse? <laughs> but that's it. He gave one line to a melody. Yeah. And that just triggered something I have not heard for 30 years. Maybe, yeah, yeah. That that's some powerful magic there. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. I know. So yeah, they were onto something. Yeah. Fucking hell, climbing wall. So you got three, three ascents, three <laughs> different ascents on each side of the wall. Okay. Um, me and the missus got sh- shoved one round one side with a, a young lad of about I don't know eleven, twelve, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matty was taking the other side. We got Rachel. So Rachel came over, mm. and Jordy, uh, <laughs> Jordy, like, and she's going through the whole safety thing, and you put the harness on, mm-hmm. and she fits you up for the harness, and then she shows you the wall, and she's saying like, uh, "Abby, can you see those holes in the wall?" <laughs> said, "Yeah, yeah, we can see them." Now you don't want to put your your fingers in the holes because you know what you get from wood, and. It's guessing your fingers. It really, it's really sore. And so I looked at the eleven-year-old lad, and he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so like, splinters. He gets splinters, right? So don't, don't, don't put your fingers in the holes in the wall. Okay. <coughs> okay. Okay, Rachel. So she sends us up. Have any, any, has she got any climbing experience? And uh, <laughs> any climbing experience? Yeah. Yeah, I've been climbing before. I just onto school roof. <laughs> <laughs> and this eleven-year-old puts his hand up. I was like, "Oh, thankful for that." Oh, great! So he gets put onto the third wall, like the, the toughest, is like an easy, a medium, and a hard mm-hmm. climbing wall. 
And uh, so I says, what do you want? And so Mrs. says, I'll do the easy one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's running through the safety thing. And uh, we sets off. Mm-hmm. First time up a climbing wall. Mm-hmm. I did the medium one. Straight up there. Straight up there. Yeah. I raced the, the little guy, the 11-year-old. <laughs> I'm not. He's not beating me. <laughs> to the top. And uh, so you know, you get to do it again. You get 30 minutes. So I went up the same one again. No problem. And she goes, I don't know where. Where did she send me now? Oh, so she sent me to the hard one. Mm. And I swapped the young lad. I was going up this hard one, and it's it's similar, but all the holds are smaller. Basically, mm-hmm. the hand holds that you go right, up okay. on. <coughs> and I was getting to the top, and there's just one bit that I couldn't... That it was too small to get my hand on, and I thought it was not going to take my weight, sort of thing. So uh, I didn't quite get to the top of that one, and I came back down again. And you're feeling it already. Mm-hmm. And you, your hands and your forearms are wrecking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had another go at the hard one, and I got stuck at the same place. I couldn't just... I don't know, I couldn't hold on to it. I fell off. I fell off. Yeah. And... Uh, I thought, yeah, I need like a, I need a breather now. Five minutes before I can do anything else. So she sent me to the, uh, the easy one. Mm. That, yeah, that was a piece of this. And I went back on the mid- medium one. And uh, we're getting towards the end of the half an hour. And uh, Rachel says, "Do you want to race to the top?" Oh. I said, "No, no, no." Um. Well. I can't even. I was I was attached to the hard one. I said mm-hmm. I've not even been up there once. I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna race you. Can't even get up there. I'll tell. Uh, I'll tell you what. You go on the 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 easy one, and I'll go on the medium one. I said yeah, if you want, I'll race you. Mm-hmm. The instructor. So and I heard her, and she kept saying to my, oh, "I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm going to be so embarrassed if I lose because Matty was like." Uh, Egging her on. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the missus and the young lad came off the wall. And it was just me and her. I was on the easy track. She was on the medium track. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wants to race me. So I said, all right. And uh, she said, right, one, two, three. And I destroyed her. You destroyed? Absolutely destroyed her. Yeah. Wow. Are you a, are you a mountain climbing savant? No. No, I couldn't even... Fit. No, it's just I wasn't going to be beaten in front of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> my 25-year-old Geordie with nails. <laughs> nails. Fingernails, false nails coming out like an inch and a half. You wouldn't be able to hold on. No, yeah. It was uh, It's only a bit of fun. Yeah, but you won. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was wondering why you said you had to go nuclear on a climbing wall instructor. Yes, I wasn't going to be beaten. Is that a challenge? Yeah. You know, That's didn't want to humiliate you, but... Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder about this sports thing, you know, like uh, men in women's sports. Oh, right, yeah. You know, like the swimmer, the famous swimmer. I can't remember his name, her name, whatever. Leah Thomas. That's the one. Like, the same physical advantages, isn't it? The back, yeah, is the main thing, isn't it? Well, strength, isn't it? Endurance. Pretty mm. much, well, most things, isn't it? <laughs> most physical things yeah. you have an advantage at. Mm. So, yeah, it's the, it's the contact sports that worry me. It's like mm. UFC and shit like that, kickboxing. Mm. I mean, why would... Oh, yeah, let's get off that. I watched... Uh, you were talking about sort of endurance and stuff. Another decent documentary on 
Netflix was about these free divers and this Italian woman. Yeah. And um, basically, she, she, I don't know how she come across this, but she, since as a young child, she wanted to be a free diver. Um, and she turned up at the Italian national team's training or tryouts or whatever when she was 14. And she swam, I think she, I think she swam 90 or 100 meters in one go at the age of 14. So they do it under, in a swimming pool. And that's like obviously five lengths, whatever, of a 20 like meter pool. your breath. Yeah, underwater. Fucking hell. Um, I think they, they have like this fin, like it looks like a... Like a mermaid tail. Yeah, on the feet. Um, but he said, like this guy was saying, it, it took us years to get to like a hundred meters, and she did it when she was fourteen, just practicing herself, kind of thing. Wow. So anyway, so she carries on, and then they then they changed the rules, so she couldn't be on the national team. So she had to wait until she was eighteen to free dive, and then she started doing it in the ocean. Um, but basically, they uh, what they do is they dive so. You set your your depth, so they do it in the mid. Like, so the, there's a famous one. They do it all over the world, but a, apparently the fam- most famous one is somewhere in the Bahamas. I think they said, um, and it's like an old. It's like a cave. Well, I think it must might be a sinkhole off the coast, like you know, near the beach or whatever. And it's I don't know ridiculously deep. So, and it was they were diving to a hundred meters. So, but the thing is, you you hold your breath, obviously, yeah. um, and then you've got to go down. You've got to get back up, holding your breath. Yeah. So, so basically, what happens is, I didn't realize this because they're swimming down for about thirty meters, and then after thirty meters, the pressure of the water pushes you down, which I didn't know. Have you ever heard that before? Nope. Yeah. So they just get pushed down, and then. Obviously, that's the easy bit because you're not doing anything. So you're at 100 meters depth and then you've got to swim up. Against that pressure. Against the pressure. Fucking hell. So when they get into the top, they're like passing out. She's like, like the, the beginning of the documentary, it shows her like having a fit basically. Like, and, like, and they have to get to him quickly, put an oxygen mask on them and turn them over. Because like if obviously routinely, um, it seems so. Yeah, from the documentary. Fucking yeah, hell. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's loads. It's like loads of people have. Well, a few, quite a lot of people have died. But there's this event in the Bahamas. They have this like um, thing where they say they're the safest event, and only one person's ever died doing it. Um, There's no like safety liner out attached to them. To so pull what, them up. In no, emergency. no. So they, when they're diving down, they don't have a line, no. Um, but what they do have now is they have, um, or after a while, they've got safety divers. So what they do... Oh, yeah. go with them. So yeah. they time it. So they say, you know, she should be back at 40 metres by now. So someone dives down, so they meet her at 40 metres and they start swimming up with them. So they can hold their breath for, like, whatever, how long that is, a minute or whatever. Oh, right, so not in diving gear. When you said safety divers, I thought you meant people going in no. with snookers, so this, Snoop, snooper divers. So, yeah, I was thinking that, thinking, oh, fucking hell, why are they not just going down with, like, the tank on? 
but you, you, it's to do with the pressure. So you, you, if you go down below a certain depth with a tank, you have to go into a, hi, a hyperbaric chamber to be depressurized. Fuck, otherwise you get the bends. Because what happens, apparently, when you go into that pressure when you're diving is your lungs get crushed. They shrink down to, like, the size of... I think they said a Coke can or something, or a tennis ball. What the fuck? Um, yeah. So, and then loads of them, like, the lungs are fucked because they get crushed all the time. <laughs> Why did they do it? I don't know. Don't know. It's fucking... Look, honestly, we watch it... Me and the wife were watching it, and we were fucking terrified all the way through. It's, like, it's freaky as fuck watching them do it. Anyway, to, you're never going to watch it, are you? So... Spoil it for everyone. Here comes the spoilers. So this woman, this Italian woman, gets into a relationship with this. Is this the fourteen-year-old. Yeah, but she sorry, she it shows her like yeah. goes back through her career, and she must be in the like I think she might be in her thirties now at this point, or um, late twenties or whatever. So she starts this free this this is Irish guy who's been kind of in the documentary as well, and he's been a you know. Traveling all over the place, and eventually gets into free diving, and eventually gets into becoming this safety diver. <coughs> and <coughs> this woman, uh, this Italian woman, has idolized this is Russian woman. I can't remember her name. Who's like set the world record for free diving? I think it was 100 meters or 101 meters or something like that. Um, and anyway, her son was like one of the top guys. He was at the, it was once the the world record holder for men at free diving. Didn't say what the depth was. But apparently in this Bahamas event a few years before um, they met, he was the he dived down and he was kind of waiting at 40 metres for this guy and he wasn't there. And then <clears throat> he waited there for a minute at 40 metres. He'd obviously taken the time to get down there. And he dove down to 60 metres, grabbed him and brought him up to the surface, basically, and saved his life, this like world record holder. So he got quite famous in the community because of that and set up a, a free diving school in Egypt. And this place in Egypt is... Um, so basically what it's like, again, known in the free diving community. So it's a collapsed cave, I think, or a sinkhole. So at one side of it, at the very bottom, there's an arch. So you could dive down like 60 metres or whatever swim through the arch, which is like, I don't know, 20 or 30 metres, and then back up the other side. Hold it, obviously, hold it. <laughs> um, and, like, it's, like, one of the things to do, but, like, again, loads of people have died doing it. <clears throat> so what these two get into... Re- so this safety diver and this Italian woman, um, they get into a relationship over the summer, and she, at, at this point, is the world record holder. She is. She is for women. She did like 103 meters or something ridiculous. And then um, she goes to do this arch thing. So they're in a relationship, remember? So he's like at the top and she goes, right, you need to go now. He said, I I can't go. I need 10 more seconds. He couldn't like slow his heart rate down or something. Right. He was panicking. Um, So, and then he said, you need to go now. And he said, you, 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 10 more seconds and so he eventually went she so he got down to the bottom of where this line of where she she should have met him she had missed him by 30 seconds gone off to the right and then at some point he's seen her swam after her 
got her up to the surface, and then he's uh, died, basically, saving her life. Good grief. Um, but it's a mad watch, that documentary. Yeah. <coughs> Reminds me of the, uh, I've not seen it, but the Alex Honnold the tree climber. Oh, yeah, doing the, the El Capitan, is it? Is that what it was? Well, he does everything, doesn't he? Yeah. He just climbs it with... She's watched that. He, um, That's terrifying as well. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's like, uh, I remember he was t- he was on Joe Rogan or something, and he was telling yeah. a story about he was halfway up this incredible peak, whatever, and he l- forgot his chalk. <laughs> he left his chalk <laughs> down at the bottom. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. Left his chalk down at the bottom. And he passed two climbers who were all geared and roped up. Fuck me. He said, he, can I borrow some chalk? Yeah. He has nothing. He has no harnesses or anything. Mm. So they gave him the chalk. Yeah. And he went up and left it at the top. Jesus for Christ. Him. But that guy is fucking mental. Yeah, he's, he's properly mental, that guy, when you watch the documentary. It's like a death wish thing. Yeah. There is something. I think there is something about his life or his family. I might be misremembering that. It's a bit. Doesn't not, there have to be? I don't to be know. That reckless? Maybe. Yeah, I think he was in a relationship. He got in a relationship as well right. towards the end of the documentary. Yeah, and I don't know if he was getting married or kids and all. I don't know if that was on the cards. I wonder if having kids would change him. I don't know. I remember I used to work with a, a lad called Rocky, mm-hmm. and he used to do snowboarding and stuff. Mm. And every year he would go to France. Or wherever yeah. snowboarding, and I, I think he often got like, you know, like a broken shoulder, or a broken ankle, or whatnot. Right. Okay. And I remember him saying, "Well, I've not, I haven't got kids. Don't matter if I die tomorrow." Right. Okay. He's since had kids, and I wonder if he's. I bet his attitude's changed. You know. Right. It's like okay. the driving thing. Mm. I think, like my, I remember vividly my first drive home from the hospital with my eldest son. Mm-hmm driving them back from the hospital mm. and it was like i felt like i was driving with a nuclear bomb in the back you know it changes yeah. you yeah, that, 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 that is a tasty drive home with the the first one yeah that's quite, quite anxious yeah well aren't you yeah well i guess it's normal then yeah i would say so but i think i think it calms you down more you know it calms you down in general after that yeah it's like um i drive like my uncle jim now can put an orange on the bonnet, and it'll still be there when I get where I'm going. Whereas I used to drive like an idiot. Yeah. Especially in work vans. Crikey. It's nothing better. It's like a hire car. <laughs> <laughs> you can do out with it. On brake turns. <laughs> yes. Crashed a few vans. <laughs> a few work vans. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. Yeah, you won't do that now, because you, you've got a role to play. This, this, uh, the world, your world is expanded and you're no longer the centre of it once you have kids. No. It's a game changer. Yeah. We did, uh, we had a very kid-centric holiday. We had uh, lots of, of the kiddies' activities you can do, like Nerf training camp. We did. <laughs> do you go and do it with them? No, it depends what it is. Like the, the, um, the aerial, uh, aerial adventure... Mm-hmm. Which is like where you go up in the treetops. Yeah, yeah. And you you walk, you go through various elements of this mm-hmm. treetop adventure, like a bit like Indiana Jones, like mm-hmm. rope bridges and cargo nets and mm-hmm. zip lines and all that. And uh, if your sprog is under a certain height, 
like mm. one point five meters or something, then an adult has to mm-hmm. has to be there. Mm. So uh, yeah, I had to assist him. Quite enjoyable that. I quite like the treetops thing. Yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I've done it twice. That same one. Oh right. Okay. So, <laughs> I've done it with both of them. Right. So I don't. Yeah, I don't find. It. I like the zip. The zip lines are fun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty unique. But like climbing shit, I do that every day for a job. <laughs> it's like climbing up scaffolds or crawling through loft spaces. Or, you know, it's like it's like uh, I don't get much of a thrill out of an aerial adventure. But the zip line's good. Yeah, I like the zip lines. So there's three, I think, on Hafani Moore's outdoor adventure. Hafani Moore. Hafani Moore. Did three. We did uh, pedalos. Oh, I had an amazing thing happen on the pedalos. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's called there was a, there's a section called Dragon Lake, mm. and that's where you get your pedalos, and they look like Welsh dragons. It's like green, green or red Welsh dragon, and we're going along on on the pedalo, and uh, my youngest is obsessed with these dragonflies. There are these oh, dragonflies right. everywhere. Yeah, you know we've been getting them in our back garden. Yeah, Huge the ones. pond. Yeah, well, they, we're talking like three, four mm. inches long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad things. Yeah. And uh, just float, float on the water and then zoom, and off and then zoom, zoom. And they were all, um, my youngest was, was really interested in these. They were all sort of uh, blue, like bluey coloured dragonflies. Do you know they're, at, uh, they're quite delicate ones? There's loads of them on Haslam Park. Right. I'll have to take them then. Yeah, if you go at the right time, there's like, they're about, there's quite small. We're getting like big fat ones in our back garden, but. Little ones that are in blue about that big and thin, blue and black they are. Yeah, these are these were chunky. Right, they okay. were quite wide, maybe ten mil at yeah. the widest, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like three eighths of an inch. <laughs> you old fuck, you old knackers out there. And uh, oh yeah, blue, blue. And uh, he pipes on and says, "Mummy, did you ever have uh, different coloured dragonflies? Are they all blue?" Mm. I just goes, no, 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 there's all sorts of different colours dragonflies you get. Uh, yellow, she's been to like Thailand and lots mm. of exotic places. There's yellow ones and red ones. And, they do red. <laughs> they do red. <laughs> it's his favourite colour. Yeah. Red dragonflies. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, a minute later, I'm peddling and uh, he's sat behind me and I spot one, a red dragonfly. I said, oi, oi, look, look, red dragonfly. Mm-hmm. I'm holding my hand out like this. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. And it comes closer to the boat. It comes maybe six feet. Most of these things have been like 10, 20 feet you've been spying them from <laughs> because they're quite big. Yeah. This thing comes to me in like six feet. I said, there, and he's like amazed how close it's come. He's never seen one before. I said, look at it there. And it fucking landed on my outstretched hand. Yes. On the back of my hand. This massive, it's, it was about as long as me hand is wide. Wow. Ginormous thing. Did you start screaming? <laughs> <laughs> no, And she goes to grab her phone. Oh. Grab, grab her phone, get a photo, and honestly, two seconds, gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those magical moments. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it, when that happens? I'll never forget that. No. And uh, hopefully he'll never forget it either. Mm. Weird, isn't it? Lots of uh, good memories we made. Mm. Uh, that was pretty unique experience. Mm-hmm. Never had a massive prehistoric-sized dragonfly land on my hand before. No. How is the uh, the kids' entertainment? Oh, right. Yeah, it was good. Not as good as Go Live Goes Global. 
<laughs> they've they've rejigged. They've re rejigged their their kids quiz. Um, it was a different sort of competition, not very team based, not very antagonistic. <laughs> so it's good. It's good when it's you know we're dividing with two holes, two holes, okay. and we're dividing the audience. This side, you're on my team, Haley. You, this side, you're on Chris's team. You're mm. the yellows, you're the blues, and it gets mm-hmm. people interested. It's like a, it's a in or out group thing. Mm-hmm. It's like base psychology that they're <laughs> tapping into. It's why people still watch football. <laughs> you Man City, Man United, Liverpool, or Everton. Every, you know, this is a common thing. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, tone that down a bit. Not as competitive. Um, I'll tell you about that. Well, I didn't tell you, but there's the seaside squad. Mm. So these are these sort of mascots. They're in like big, unif- big uh, costumes, like at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And um, there's Ned and Polly, who mm. are like two humans. They have been relegated. Yeah. They're no longer full Seaside Squad members. They just do a puppet show with them mm. on occasion. And then you've got the animal-based Seaside Squad members. So you had uh, Bradley the Bear, who was like he sort of he was dressed as like a, a beach safety officer. He was carrying a clipboard. And it was all about, he would give you tips during the show about how to be safe at the beach. Oh. Never leave your parents' sight. Always look for, what does a red flag mean? Is don't yeah. go in the water. So, you know, so it's a edu- bit of education thrown in. Bradley the Bear, uh, he had a greedy gorilla. Mm. Self-explanatory. He's a gorilla who loves bananas. Greedy gorilla. You've got um, Anxious the Elephant. Oh. A female. Oh. Uh... The previous two were male. Yeah. Judging by the name. Greedy is a, a male, as far as we know. Chimp. <laughs> anxious, anxious the elephant. And uh, Rory. Rory the tiger. Right. Okay. And uh, these these are, team members have been rejigged, mm-hmm. rebranded, remarketed. Mm-hmm. So, um, Greedy. Well, let's start with Anxious. Anxious is now called Annie. Right. Because Anxious... Uh, anxiety yeah <laughs> you know greedy is now called Gus I think or Graham some shit it's another personality trait slovenly yeah slovenly <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so we can't have sort of mental health con- connotations to our kids characters names that's no. the first thing uh, and Bradley the bear mm. has gone to live in Florida oh nice and he's been replaced by Jazz, the bear, or like a non-binary bear. Oh no! Yeah. yeah. So she's like, um, I don't know. She's a bear. Why, she are you, a, why are you assuming they're? Well, she has a they. Fe- she has a female voice. They are called Jazz. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And uh, but she's like, uh, she's uh, obviously a girl, judging by her voice. <laughs> <laughs> But she wears boys' clothes, and she's really into science because, you know, we've got to get women in STEM. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But we didn't see much of the Seaside Squad, really. Right, okay. Not often. It's uh, good. They're getting to my age now, my kids, where... Um, Your age. <laughs> getting, to, getting to the age now where I, we can just give them a tenner and tell them to fuck off to arcade <laughs> when we just sit in the pub. Did that quite often. Did you? Did you feel yeah. comfortable enough to do that? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Still, like, uh, yeah. Our youngest would just wander off somewhere. Just gets bored because quite often what happens is the eldest just ignores him, 
I quite right. often hear him calling his name for like five minutes. And he, and he yeah, won't. your youngest is too young it's to be four. left to his own devices in a massive complex. Yeah. <laughs> but your eldest is similar in age to my youngest. Yeah, he's he would probably be all right. Younger, and if you imagine if he had an elder brother who was 11, mm. you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's get, getting to that age now. Mm. Uh, especially with the eldest, he wants to do things on his own. So um, wow. he was a fan of the bike hire. Really? You can hire bikes, so adult bikes or junior bikes. Mm. Three quid right. for half a day. That's right, isn't it? And what yeah. would he do on his bike then? Fuck off. Would he really? He'd just ride around by himself? Yeah, just do what he wanted to do. Right, okay. Maybe he'd have had a tenner on him if he wanted to get himself an ice cream or right, okay. spending arcade or something. So would, he do, would you have the, the younger one with you then? Yeah, um, oh, well, one time he went off at the bike and we hired a cart for the first hour. So we were sort of, sh- not shadowing him, but we mm. were on the same sort of the park riding mm. around. So we'd keep an eye on, well, not keep an eye on him, but mm-hmm. you knew we weren't far around. And then um, and then after that, we just left him and he just sort of come, come, and, come and go as he went, as he wanted. You give him his own key? We only get one key. We only get one key for Caramel. Does he have, how did he... Where would he know where to meet you, then? That's the thing, you see. We're never bothered. It's like uh, there was one day um, him and the missus got bikes, mm-hmm. so they went off, mm-hmm. and we didn't ring each other. Mm-hmm. It's like we've de- we've developed this over-dependence on being able to just send someone a message saying, where are you? It's like, no, you'll, you'll just find each other. You'll just come across each other. <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a holiday camp. Well, they just find you two in the pub. Is what you're... <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not the first day. Like, uh, So, yeah, he, uh, the second to last day, uh, him and him and the missus got the bikes, and me and the little one, we just had a wander about. Mm. We had a walk around the lake, got an ice cream. Found a swing somewhere on the other side of the park and played on the swing for a bit. Mm. And you just happened on each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, here you are. Yeah, where are you? Have you got the key for coming? <laughs> yeah, it's here. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like, I wonder who's going to be the first chipped generation. You know, I can imagine a lot of parents in our generation would be for willing, for chi- willing to chip their children. To locate them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we're that paranoid. That's that air thing, that Apple Air. I know it's different to putting it under your skin or whatever, but the Apple. Apple. You leaving? Is it a chip? No. Is it an air tag? Is that what it's called? Oh, it's like those things you can stick on your dishwasher, and it'll order you more dishwasher tablets when you're running out, like that... a wireless transmitter. Is it? Yeah, who knows? Amazon doing those things. You stick on your um, appliance oh. and it orders you. Oh, It'll right. go to your Amazon account right. and del- order more detergent when it knows you're running in law. Well, this this air dog off road piss. I'm dying. <laughs> this air this air tag thing is um, so. There's been loads of stories of like using it with demented people. So, you know, when people get dementia, so you 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 hide it in the shoe. You know, if they put a, pa- a pair of slippers on and they go disappear, you can track them basically. So people use them with kids. So, like if you go on holiday, they um, 
you you can like put it onto the clothing or somewhere else and hide it on their person, and then you know it, you know like on your uh, Apple thing. What is it called when you lo- find my iPhone or whatever? It'll come up on a map and it'll locate that person essentially. But you know, my wife has done this with her sometimes. If we've gone somewhere really busy, she'll get her watch and put her watch on one of our son's uh, wrists, basically. Um, and then she'll know that if he kind of ever goes anywhere. But I don't know if that... I don't. When we've done that, I don't think he quite grasps what's going on. Um, but it, it probably reinforces the the world is a dangerous place kind of idea. I mean, it seems almost common sense, doesn't it, to give your kid a smartphone so then you can just you can track them if something mm-hmm. goes wrong. It seems obvious, doesn't it? But I don't think... I'm not convinced it's the right thing to do for them. Well, well the first thing is, is what happens when the battery runs out or if they turn it off. Because that's, that's all I hear of quite often through work, through anxious parents. Mm-hmm. Quite often... They, they have it all set up loads of times I hear this where it's like there's there's an app it's like it's, I think it's just like find my iPhone you can put your family on it so you right. know where you all are and it shows you you know like dad's in it's like know, Ron Weasley's uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's it Weasley's uh, the, clock the marauding map however it is oh no I'm thinking of smells oh right okay there's a map isn't there in Hogwarts and it yeah. shows where everyone is but anyway um but you can get that. I'm sure you can get it on like smartphones now. Yeah. And but <laughs> I was speaking to someone, and like a, a child would deliberately turn the phone off, basically, so they wouldn't, you know, you couldn't find where they were. Would they though? Because assuming then the parent would punish them for turning the phone off. Well, she did, but he didn't care. <laughs> But that's, well, okay, I'm taking your switch off you for a week. Then you'll care. No, he didn't. He didn't care. Yeah. So there's no way of enforcing punishment? No, not, with, not by the sounds of it. So, um... <coughs> but I suppose that's the issue, isn't it? You have this kind of, um... perceived idea I don't know, this kind of idea that if you do this things will be okay but it doesn't stop the bad thing from happening it just means that you know where they are <laughs> yeah i mean there's only certain instances where that would be life or death i mean so this is the thing so you know it's not if someone's gonna nick them that's the worst thing isn't it yeah um then you would probably they would probably get, pat them down. Freedom. Sound of yeah. freedom. Pat them down and throw the phone away, wouldn't they? If they had half a brain who was like nicking them. Of course they would. Which is why you chip them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Or hide one of those apple tags somewhere in their clones or right. their arse or whatever. And then um, next to the orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a toilet brush. And then uh But yeah, sorry, but it doesn't stop this is the thing, you know, it's that it's that kind of notion, oh, if I do this, then they'll be safe. But it doesn't actually stop, you know, them being run over by a car. <laughs> it just means that when they've been run over by a car, you know that that's where they are. Yeah. It, it's like, it's a false sense of security. And plus, you should, you know, yeah, you've got to 
unfortunately, roll the dice. Is it, is it Jonathan Heights who sends his kids out in the middle of New York from the from the age of like four? Well, this is this is the thing. I, yeah, so he would he did put the watch on with that with his daughter, didn't he? Like an old smart watch, so he could track her. And I think she was eleven, ten or eleven, or maybe a bit younger. And he sent her to like a few blocks away to get a specific thing. But that's no different to what I think I was probably. I bet I was like your son's age, eleven, when I was going to the butchers and the bakers at Lane Ends on a Saturday morning on my bike and getting all the orders and stuff and going home. The thing is, you, you're two different scenarios there. You've New York City, where no one knows anyone, and there's a massive population where were as opposed to a small market town where 30 years ago people knew their neighbours. They knew everyone on, in the street. There was an actual sense of community. People cared about what their front gardens looked like, etc. Mm. Uh, so it's a different world. I suppose, yeah. yeah. But I would do it. I, I would, in maybe in a year or two, start sending him on, on his little missions. Yeah. It's a big step, isn't it? Mm. I guess. Certainly, I think I would. I think he's allowed in year f- five and six to walk to school by himself. So let him do that. Yeah. I think the starting point. We did that gradually mm-hmm. over several months. Mm-hmm. So it went from him being dropped off at the church mm-hmm. rather than at the school gate, then to dropping him off at Michael at the lollipop man, mm-hmm. and then it went to well dropping him off at his mate's house on the corner. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, but they've got to learn because it's, it's high school next year. He'll have to walk on his own. Mm. Uh, but sort of part of me thinks, well, he'll he'll let you know when he's... when he doesn't want to be walked by Grandpa anymore because yeah. it won't be cool, will it? No. You know, my brother was like that. Mm-hmm. He used to walk past me and my grandma in the car like that, like not looking at us. Because, you know, don't, don't, you don't want to live with, with Grandma. Stin! <laughs> Stin! Stin, I don't want to go to lift in the Ford Escort gear. You know. It's a gear, Stephen. It was a gear, beautiful walnut. Dash. Walnut. It was fucking beautiful car. Gold. It was gold. They all were, weren't they? Were they fucking... It was a gold Ford Escort gear. Beautiful. That blue badge used to pop. The blue Ford badge used to pop off the gold paint job. Quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had, my, like, the, the women in my family had lots of wicked cars. My uh, my mum's auntie, Auntie Jessie, she had a Mini. Mm-hmm. A proper Mini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was tiny. Mm-hmm. It was like half the size of this room. You could pick I one know. up. And she used to drive that. And that was gorgeous on the inside as well. Mm. It's like everything's black and plastic now, isn't it? Yeah. And space age. <laughs> space age shit, but those old cars were beautiful. Uh, me Uncle Dave had a, a Capri. Nice. Ford Capri. Mm. He had to uh, he had to get rid of it eventually because it's just get get breaking into. Like yeah. every week. Yeah. Yeah, just break into Oh, it was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh the Ford Capri was the, the thing in the eighties. Yeah, but I suppose you had to actually break into them and stuff. And Nick Parks. Oh, it was like, easy. Mm. It was easier probably to get in them, weren't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he got a he, he he got a Lancia, Lancia Monte Carlo, but it's never been it's never driven yet. It's been in his garage for twenty years in bits. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. It'd be worth a 
fortune if it was right, I guess. Yeah. But he's probably forgotten how to put it back together again. <laughs> so, never mind that. Yeah, lots of, oh yeah, old cars. Mm. Our cars uh, spitting out black shit. I was on the way to Wales. Out of the... Out of the exhaust. Probably not good, is it? Probably fuel injectors, I think. <laughs> Had them on the, the van All a right. while back, a few years ago. Yeah. If the fuel injectors aren't working, I think there's some sort of air gets in and it starts burning fuel in the in the wrong way and that's why it spits out black shit out of the back, I think. I think when I had it on the van, I think they were over two hundred pound each. Fuel injectors, mm. one per cylinder, I think. So she'll love that. Fucking hell, she embarrassed me last time we were at garage when she when we went to pick a car. What did she say? Because it was like uh, the uh, the 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 lady who runs the mechanic. She's always very apologetic when she's giving you the bill. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. This I'm is so £10,000. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, the car, her car had been in for, I think it had been in for service, MLT, and it needed some tyres, bits and bobs, whatever. And she gave it a bill and said, oh, I'm sorry. And she looked at the bill and went, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> and it was like, I think you were like... 90 quid. (laughs) (laughs) It was like 450 quid or something like that. Right, okay. And uh, I looked at Caroline and said, Can't take her anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, I'm going to have to get a new car. Oh, right. (laughs) I I said, they all cost money, you know. Yeah. A new car is going to cost you that a month. Oh, like, fucking hell. It's like, I don't know. That's the thing, isn't it? I don't it? know if she's born. The, uh, it's tempting, isn't it, to to buy a brand new one. But when you look at it, it's very, you know, because most people don't buy them anymore, do they? They just rent them, the HPI, whatever it's called, the PCP, sorry. Feel good. Um, and that, yeah. And then that's just like a month, a month's payment on like a, a BMW or whatever. Yeah, which is crazy. If you, if you wanted something big, we need a big car, you know, for holidays and stuff, and the dog. Yeah. So uh, an yeah. estate or a thing like you've got like. Yeah, a, I was looking. I was thinking about maybe a Passat estate or something like that would do, but it'd have to be petrol. You see, new I, diesels are shit. Apparently, hey, it's what mechanic says. All right, says, don't get one. But I mean, we're mainly talking vans. Mm. Says, yeah, don't get you want someone like that again. Mm. So, yeah, I know, I know. I, I would... said I'd like a petrol, but they don't make them, they don't mm. make petrol vans. Is that a petrol van? No, oh. no, no. I'd like a petrol, right. easier to fix, right? And new diesels are, are garbage, right? Okay, because the, the cost of uh fuel pumps and I think if you st- injectors, if you start to look into uh, you know. Because obviously the, the VW brand is Skoda, Seat, mm. and Audi, some Audi's stuff as well. Oh, right. Um, I'm pretty sure VW own Audi. Um, but the, I, oh, the Superb. That's, oh. 
So the the, the so what are <laughs> this is a Skoda this is a car called a Skoda Superb, which oh, is yeah. a massive estate. It's like the Octavia, is it? So the Octavia so the Octavia is the smaller one. Oh right. Smaller estate. A superb. Yes. Yeah, Skoda Superb. That's what that's what I'm aiming for. Skoda right. Superb estate. Right. Because they're just big. It's because they're massive. Got a massive. You've got like a six hundred and sixty liter boot. Right. Um, yeah, that's what you need. But the, the thing, family. but the thing is, is that they're. Uh, this is what I was talking about. Sorry, in terms of like the engines, the engines are supposed to be quite reliable. So they do a two liter diesel engine, which is supposed to be really good and use it across the mm. platforms. Basically, I don't know. I was thinking maybe she should go Japanese. Well, I this think Japanese is the way to go. I'm in the Jazz tonight. Honda, like mine's the Nissan. You come with a Nissan. Yeah. And it's bulletproof. Yeah. I think maybe, yeah, Honda, Nissan. I mean, basically my, this Jazz is slowly rotting. I've told you, like, the, <laughs> do, the door frames are rotting and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure the engine would still be running when it was just, like, there was no doors. What about a Lexus? That's like, That's the posh Toyota, isn't it? Japanese, I bet they're great. Maybe I bet they're great. The more exp- the, the, that's the luxury Japanese brand, though, isn't it? So they're too expensive. I'm thinking an old one, an old one with low mileage, you know, like sixty k on. But even then, the the still expensive are they? Right, and then maybe they don't do estates. I right. don't know if they do actually. Maybe I need a Honda Accord estate. Yeah, something like that would be all right. You, I don't, mm-hmm. you bet you could get you can get a Honda Civic estate. I don't think that'd be big enough. No, from what we're used to. Mm. No, got a Ford S Max now. Zeus wouldn't get in the boot actually. I no, think. yeah, he'd have to lie down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a Ford. We're quite spoilt for room with an S Max. They're massive. Mm. With the the seats, is it an eight seater or seven seater? I think it's a seven. So when you have the back two seats down, the, the boot's massive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I wouldn't want to go down too big a size. No. You know, they have all, the kids have all these accoutrements. They do now, have don't to, they? It has to take with them. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, a Skoda is supposed to be... A Skoda Superb is supposed to be massive, basically. What do Mitsubishi do, In uh, other than pickups? An Evo, isn't it, I think? They still, they still do Evos? I think so. I might be wrong. My mechanic's got an Evo 7, I think. Right, okay. It's in pristine in his garage mm. with a sheet over it. Mm, nice. It gets put it's, to bed. It's one of those Evo. Do you remember when it was all Impressors and Super yeah. and uh, Mitsubishi Evos? Mm-hmm. E- Evo 7 and Evo 8. He's got one of them. Mm. Gosh, that would be fun to drive. I bet, yeah, they'd be worth a fortune. They were rally car, it was rally, weren't it? Rally yeah. cars made them popular, I think. Colin McRae and all well, that. Well, it was Subaru versus Mitsubishi, wasn't it? Yeah. Colin McRae was the Subaru. And guy. Lancia. Lancia are always in the mix. Yes. Delta Integrale. Yeah, but I think that was more in the... Colin McRae was from the 90s, wasn't it? He died, didn't he? What happened to him? Helicopter. I think he was piloting his own helicopter and he crashed. Fuck. I think. I think it was down to... I think the... That it was his fault. I might be getting that wrong. Pilot error kind of thing. It's well, kind of ironic, isn't it? Unless he wasn't flying it, I could be wrong. I'm very wrong about a lot of stuff yeah. all the time. Aren't we all? Yeah. But that was what's coming into my mind. I haven't recalled it enough, you see. No. 
It's to play it on the PlayStation. Yeah. Colin McRae. Colin McRae's rally. Left turn, hard. Right turn, immediate. What did you say? Oh, it was three. It was one, two, three, wasn't it? I can't remember. So, like, a soft bend would be a one. Yeah. A medium bend would be a two. Mm-hmm. Herpin! Herpin, right? <laughs> Handbrake. <coughs> yeah. This used to press the accelerator as hard as I could. Yeah. We gosh, we spent a fortune in the arcades. Mm, it's easy around those machines, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. And you collect these tickets. Oh God, they all do that now, don't they? Hey, some of them have contactless now. You know, some of the games machines. I've seen, yeah, I've seen that. The gambling, the gambling type machines. So mm. like, you'll spin a ball. Oh, a gambling one. Like the ten, there was a ten p push machine, right? With a co- a contactless Card. dock. Yeah, where you would scan in. So there's like a, place, a thousand pounds. Do you know where Lancashire Bowl? It's called Lancashire Bowl now, I think, on Greenbank Street, the bowling alley. Oh, it used to be um, Mill. The uh, Mill Bowling. Mill Hill? No, something like that was. It, it had a name. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, but they've got some Mill. It was. So if someone's took it over, I don't know if it's like a family. It looks like a family run business kind of thing um and they kind of done it up a little bit so it's all right but then in the middle of so you had bowling alleys on two sides you remember in the middle now there's just loads of arcades but like 10p um machines 2p machines really and there's a thing right next to it you know you can put your card in but you can only get 20 quid out of it so you have to get £20 note, then put that oh, in. Oh, you can only. I thought yeah. that was a limit. No, no, no. Well, I suppose it kind of is, but you could put £2,000 worth of you know, how many of you wanted. But anyway, so, but yeah, I burned through 20 quid in like two hours with the little and on the 2P machines and all the other wow. crap there. It's easy to do. They have the things like where you hit the hammer mm. on the pad and you're trying to get a score. Yeah, they have one on there. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and they have like the bowling one. There's a temp a bowling yeah. one, basketball hoops. And mm-hmm. You get tickets for getting basketball hoops. And mm-hmm. but when we throw balls at a clown, there's rows of clowns. That's in that one. <laughs> Got to hit the clown. And uh, there was a Minecraft game, two pound a go. Uh. And they've all got this VR shit in there now. Right. Okay. Put on a VR headset, three quid. You didn't even know to use the three T-shirts. You didn't. Polish wipe and... Polish wipe? <laughs> I don't know. I think of the third seashell. I don't know. Rinse. Some, I bet there's some lore there. Mm. But yeah, the arcade is deadly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we only had sort of one wet half day. One wet half day? Yeah. It's so, rained every day here. Has it? Over the last week? Pretty much. Fucking hell, I got sunburned two days in Wales. I know, yeah. Monday, Tuesday. It's been all been pushing up. Global climate warming change. It's been terrible. It's been miserable. Friday morning was miserable. It was dark. Fucking drizzle. Like thick grey clouds. And I had to put the lights on in the morning. Well, what you need to do is get rid of your, your diesel under jazz. <laughs> it's not diesel, get, it's petrol. And eat a Tesla. <laughs> Let them eat Teslas. And then the weather will get better. It's such... There was a thing, there was a graph. It's from the Daily Mail, so... You know. Take it with a, a, 
A spoonful of sugar. Yeah, how much? A spoonful mu- of salt. But how much carbon is released in the production of a, you know, an electric car versus a diesel one? Um, and it, because of the mining of the minerals, so all of that, and then shipping that, and then all, you know, then it just gets ridiculous. I heard somewhere that you have to do 60K in electric before you broke even on right. its carbon okay. footprint. If it lasts that long. You have to oh. change its batteries, don't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's it's a scam. <laughs> From the fucking beginning. It's an absolute scam. Do you know what I find interesting? Is these private hire cabs in these, like, ancient Priuses? And I just wonder, they're all in Priuses. Well, loads of cab drivers drive electric or hybrid. hybrid. And it must be something to do with, like, the licensing now. and A tax incentive. Yeah. <coughs> Um, but I'm just wondering how much the fucking battery works. So it's just running on that, like, 1.2-litre engine. Diesel engine. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, with no battery. Because in those, it was it was getting... It, the battery got you going, then the, the engine kicked in, didn't it? Because that's when most of the, the fuel was used. Right. To get didn't it going. It, didn't it harvest some energy from the motion? Possibly. Fed some back Some curs. Yeah, let them eat Teslas. It's a joke, really. But this is the other thing as well. Like, if this ban comes in, then the you need to think, if you're going to buy a car, buy it soon. <laughs> because if you get toward last year, two years before that ban, the price of second-hand cars <coughs> will go through the roof. Do you see that happening? Yeah. The second-hand. I thought that was already happening. It, it already is because of the microchip thing. Microchip? Oh, chip shortage from the pandemic. Yeah. Unforeseen circumstance number 87 from the, <laughs> from the global lockdown. Yeah. Because um, they have no stock all the time. But I've just started seeing, because I've been looking at Skoda Superbs now for about four years. Mm. Um, Banana cleaner in hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That um, you, they've, they've um, started to come down in price a tiny bit. And there's more of them, more importantly, currently. There always used to be about 37 on, on Auto Trader. The one specific model and makeup that I want. And now it's around 60 all the Why time. Why is that? Why is there more? Yeah. Because people aren't buying them as many, as quickly or as many. People aren't buying them. Oh, because people are struggling for, with cost of living, so they're not well, changing of, the cars. Cost of living and yeah, the other two expensive, so hopefully right. the price will start coming right, down again. I was watching uh, I was watching a clip on Twitter of um, Lammy, David Lammy. Oh, Lammy, yeah. On uh, being interviewed or something on Twitter, and the caller came in. And he was talking about um, that this this latest um, like um, diesel uh, car tax had finished him, basically. Finished him? Well, they had £200 extra income, their household, him and his wife and his two kids. He had, basically had a £200 buffer. Income versus expenditure, mm-hmm. and this new tax on on his car was going to cost him an extra thousand pound a year or something, right? And or whatever it is, and he said, "Yeah, you've 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 finished us. Basically, we can't afford this anymore." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, let me saying, "Well, uh, what what about the scrappage scheme? Uh, you know, you look at the scrappage scheme." And he said, "Yeah, my my car's worth six grand. You're going to give me two grand to scrap it. Doesn't work." I can't afford 20 grand for an electric car or whatever. 
It's like um, the people who write these rules are out of touch with reality for the majority of people. Well, I don't. I'm not sure that they are. That's the other thing. I may, maybe like oh, you it's said, intentional. Yeah, they don't want us to be able to drive around. Well, that's car. that's part of it. Well, maybe that is on a higher level. But the other I thing, think your average David Lammy, even though he, you know, he was Labour representative at the Bilderberg this year, I think. Um, yeah, it was him and Gove. Michael Gove and David Lammy were the UK government and opposition representatives at this year's Bilderberg. Right. Or maybe it was last year's, I can't remember. But, but this that's the thing, isn't it? But the, if they're just solely driven as well by how much... Oh, my God, he said, we, we but London has excellent public transport. And the guy's like, I'm a plumber. <laughs> And you're not allowed to take a pair of steps on the tube. It's against regulation. You're not allowed to take paint on the tube. So if you're a painter, you're out of luck, mate. You're going to have to go to the job and get it ordered or something. Wow. You can't take fuck all on the on the tube. What you know. a lot of fucking arsing around. Well, yeah, I would just say, you know, let people do what they want to do. Mm. Rather than make all these rules. That's why I'm an anarchist. Basically, an anarchist now. It's like, uh, yeah, government can get shoved. There's no uh, legitimate, there's no um, legitimate argument to support government of any shape or size or form. I don't think. Wow, that's what the conclusion I'm coming to. Not from a sort of um, a, a matter of principle. If you if you take certain principles. Take certain first principles, then government of any sort doesn't uh, comply. But, you know, I understand it's impractical and it's uh, never going to happen. But, you know, it's like tax. Taxation is theft. Explain to me how tax isn't theft. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the weird thing is is the the P-A-Y-E... Scheme that most people are in. So that that's pay, that's an acronym for pay as you earn. So if you're an employee in the UK, mm. your your um, income tax and national insurance is removed from your pay packet before it goes into your account. Mm. I don't think it works like that in the states. I think no. pretty much everyone does a tax return. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. So in the UK, the government takes your money before you even see it. So this is, but this is the best bit, right? So. <laughs> <coughs> I've had uh, two jobs, so last, so I've had three jobs technically in the last two years, and so last year, um, HMRC got my tax wrong. Your tax uh, code. Yeah, so wrong. I, you know, so they can't even get the tax correct. You know, they tax me in the correct amount. Is that the HMRC or is that HR or accounts for your employer? Well, they though? blame each other. All the time, right, so okay. nobody knows. So anyway, I get paid, and then I get a thing saying, oh, you've underpaid by 500 quid or whatever. Oh, we're, nice. we're automatically... Do re- you want to kick me in the balls as well while you're at it? So we're automatically re- reduced... How about I bend over? Do you have an orange? <laughs> no, toilet brush. Okay. And we're automatically reducing your pay, uh, your tax-free amount by 500 quid for the year, so I pay more tax each month. Right, so I thought, oh, right, okay, well, at least it's done now. I'll get to April, change my job again. 
not only did, is my tax incorrect again, and I've un- they, they're saying again I've underpaid 500 quid or 400 quid off my, f- this, off my first fucking wage. So a uh, month's wage, somehow they've given me, I've been taxed 500 quid less than what I should have been. Even though they've had all of my back pay, all of my pay slips, they've had my P60 or whatever, it says all the stuff, it's got the breakdown on all the stuff I've paid, still underpaid. So again, for an, an entire year, my tax has been my tax-free amount has been reduced, and I'm yeah. paying X amount or whatever each month. And then I get another fucking letter saying, "Oh, I'm really sorry, but from 21 to uh, sorry 22 to 23, you've underpaid still. We need oh. 55 quid off you. For- 55 quid. So they're coming after me for fi- don't worry." If you don't want to pay it now, we'll just reduce your tax-free amount in twenty four, twenty five. All right, by fifty five quid. Yeah. That's good of them. <laughs> so I just think, but it's easy to come after me, isn't it? Because I'm in the PAYE scheme. So I'm going. You know, I'm going to start going with these fucking dodgy agencies. So I'm going to start ripping off the NHS. Um, get paid into an umbrella firm or something. They're telling me and only pay twenty percent, so they can all fuck off now. I'm mm. going to go and do it. And rape the earth. And well, if it's if it's feasible to do it, I wouldn't know how to do it. They do it for you, the agency. Yeah, but so they take a percentage, do they? No, they just apparently they set up an umbrella company for you. Yeah, but they must want something for doing that. Your time. Oh, the agency. Yeah. Right. So they're making off you anyway. They're making off your labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they right. set up an umbrella. That you get All right, paid on for your them. benefit on your on your behalf. So I know That's somebody good. else who's who's done it. But in a different field. Damn. No. <laughs> no, somebody else has done it in a different field and like he's been paid through a umbrella company, paying twenty percent. The issue is apparently is if you when you need to redo your mortgage, you can't declare any of your income because it's not correct. Well no. Yeah, yeah. That's the issue. Or uh, if there was a lockdown. Yeah. You know, for that two years. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. would be based on your income. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like uh, a lot of tradesmen who maybe didn't pay as much tax as they would have should have mm. done mm. when they got their calculation for their state handout. Mm. That was a lot lower than what they were actually earning. Mm. So they got stung that way. But, you know, uh, if you live by the sword, <laughs> you die by the sword. Exactly. You know. But, yeah, it's like uh, it's weird. It's like uh, you're born into a system where 30%... Well, well, it's thirty-two percent of what you earn. Gum, is is for Ukraine, <laughs> or um, whatever, whatever well, they decide to spend it on. That's the thing, isn't it? Thirty percent of your tax goes on interest, debt interest payments. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I, I think it's it's the second. Is it maybe the second highest government outgoing after the NHS? Maybe servicing debt, debt, debt service. Right. Yeah, because they've done such a sterling job over the past couple hundred years running up this. Well, debt. that was a big thing, wasn't it? From do you remember from twenty ten about them about the budget deficit and trying to get it back into the black? So every month they're borrowing X billion, aren't they? Still, yeah. and they have been doing for twenty years. Yep. Um, it's obviously just piling up on the national debt, and then the 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 amount we're paying on that debt is obviously going up and up and up. The only way out of it. It's inflation. Yeah, exactly. If you inflate your currency, then your debt is worthless. Mm. Not worthless, worthless. Mm. 
So, yeah, but that's not why they'd be doing it now. That's the, I think it's more incompetence than anything. Fucking that, that governor of Bank of England, England scares the shit out of me. He hasn't got a fucking clue, has he? I don't, I'm not really... Oh, hell's bells. It's like he's trying to crash the economy. <laughs> you got him, you got Mark Carney. You know, be, go on, sorry. No, I don't know. It'd be interesting just to see what happens after this, whether it swings into a recession. They keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it with, like, the uh, inflation and... Oh, and there's all housing market things. And the mortgages and stuff. So the, yeah. apparently there's 2.4 million people like me who are going to do the mortgage in the next year who are still yeah. on, like, the, the old 2% rate. Yeah, plus all the people who've done it since October, mm. since it went nuts. Mm, that's what I mean. Like so, me. Exactly. So, done it. so, that's what, so people are going to be... That's going to be an extra the thing is, amount it d- out depends of how big your mortgage is. Yeah. You know, if you've only got a small mortgage, then a percent here or 2% here isn't a big deal. Mm. If you've borrowed hundreds of thousands... Well, ours is on 2.5 or something like that, and then yeah. it'll be going up possibly to 6. Six. Something like that. So yeah. it's quite a big change, isn't it? Yeah, but if you only owe 200 quid, it's fuck all. Well, no, This yeah. thing is, is have people borrowed mm. because we've been used to low interest rates for the last decade. Have people been tempted to borrow more than... Mm. They would have done, you know, 10 years ago. Maybe, I don't know. Mm. That's when things go pop, in it? When you've got a, a mass of people who just can't afford. That's what happened last time, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, well, it was to do with selling mortgages that they knew people couldn't repay. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Buy gold. <laughs> Been thinking about that. Buying things that you could invest in. Well, yeah, guitar. I used to buy guitars. I don't bother anymore, but mm. they're pretty inflation-proof, mm. you know, because they are what they are. You know, the value goes up with the in currency, mm. pretty much. You know, you know. I think it's pretty much similar with gold. I guess. Yeah, and it keeps up with inflation. I think that's what those things are. They're a hedge against inflation more than anything. Mm. You know, but I can't see us having anything. I don't know. Anything really. Out of the ordinary, just the general malaise of, of shit when it comes to finance. It, well, we've got the CBDCs to look forward to. We'll see what happens with that digital digital currencies. Yeah, they're all getting wet over them, aren't they? All these globalist cunts, these guys at the WEF and the UN. Yeah, they love the idea of these CBDCs, and like, there's no talk from the commercial banks about it, which is interesting. Mm. I would imagine the commercial, big commercial banks coming out against them. Yeah, you would But think. maybe the major shareholders in the central banks, maybe there's some sort of ancestral relationship going on there. Because it will take them out of the marketplace, you see. Well, yeah. And uh, the payment um, procedure companies like uh, MasterCard, mm. Swift, and all those, it's like, yeah, they're being cut out. In Swifty. Yeah. Like they were in, in Russia. It's like, oh, why aren't they talking? Why aren't they saying anything about the CBDCs? You know? Maybe they know. Oh, Maybe they know. They definitely know more than me. That's for certain. Well, I think that's a lovely place to end. Mm. Seems as it's 20 to 11. Yeah, it's time to wrap up. 
But it's saying 28, 22, 18, it's saying on mine. This, this tablet is so stupid. 19 minutes past 10, apparently. Right, <laughs> we shall return next week. Got Matt Apocalypse back next week. Big Matt. Yeah, in, no, in the house. Don't know what we're going to talk about. Old shit, probably. Has he got... Tell him about your lady in the cave. Lady in the cave? Lanetti. Homo naledi. Homo naledi. Oh no, my lady. My lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my sugar fly. Flutter, baby. Something like that. Something like that. Sing it in the valley. Shout it from the mountain tops. For God. Oh my gosh. Sing it in the valleys. (laughs) Shout it from the mountain tops. Jesus came to save us, and his saving never stops. I have to stop these people. They have to be stopped. He is king of kings, and true life he brings. Sing it in the valley. Shout it from the mountain tops. Whoa, whoa! It's the walking Christopher Walken. Whoa. See you next week then. Bye. Snap out of it! Snap out of it! Unbesmegging leaveable. Oh, my What the barrage? They are. Yeah. So. Amazing and there. Oh, love and breathe in your rotten breath all over my body. You should be so lucky. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Your friends are slags. The ultimate puss party. You dirty bitches! Epic dub. Tucking your dick between your legs, imagining you have a vagina. People who didn't look apart. Thank you for watching. Wagwan fam, you're going to Somerset.